What's happening, weirdos? Uh, some big news up top. Um, I don't know if you guys follow me on the gram or uh, the tweeter, but um, my book has been announced and is now available for pre-order. Uh, this book is obviously hugely a uh, product of this podcast. Um, as you can tell in the title, it's called Comedy, Sex, God, which is uh, which are the three topics that we usually cover on this podcast and certainly the three things that I um, arguably care the most about. Um, and I, it's available now. It, it, it's, it's unbelievable. I, I'm just putting the finishing touches on it, uh, little word changes here and there, but I, I'm biased. I love it. It's, it's sort of a spiritual memoir. It's a story about my life, about my life in comedy, and then about losing my faith, and then obviously rediscovering a new way to engage with it that you've heard those conversations on this, on this podcast sort of condensed in uh, a new way. And I'm excited to say that it, it includes content and stories um, and reflections that I haven't shared on this podcast, impossibly. So there'll be stuff in there uh, that is new to you, and obviously some stuff in there, some, some beloved hits as well. It would mean a lot. It would mean a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot uh, to me because I've been working on this book for years. If you guys could show your support and pre-order the book, uh, harperwave.com, harper, H-A-R-P-E-R-W-A-V-E.com slash Pete Holmes, and you can pre-order Comedy Sex God at that link. It's also going to be available May 14th, 2019. Uh, That's when it'll ship. But the pre-orders mean a lot to me. So if, you, if you're feeling nasty, please uh, shoot us a pre-order. Um, in the meantime, lots to promote. Crashing, new episodes are airing on Sunday nights at 10 p.m. after True Detective. Um, we're really getting into some of the, some of the nitty-gritty of the season. Uh, this week is a very, very special episode <clears throat> that sort of tackles um, gender and sex in the comedy world. Uh, in a way that I that I think people are going to be interested in and talking about. So I hope you can check that out. And if you haven't seen any of season three or one or two, they're all streaming uh, on HBO Go or HBO Now uh, right now. Well, not all of season three, but the first three episodes. And as we move forward, they'll continue to go up there. So please check that out. Um, don't wait for them to pile up, please, uh, because HBO is measuring the ratings and our fourth season depends on people seeing it. So please watch it and tell your friends to watch it and leave your HBO Go on some sort of homemade app that just loops it to help us. That's what I've done. So please do that. JK, 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 JK Simmons. Uh, anyway, uh, I'm doing stand-up this month on the 27th, February 27th. I'll be doing my Largo show. That's pretty much the only stand-up I'm doing these days, but the shows are always amazing. Uh, the last one that we did, Bob Odenkirk was there, Bo Burnham was there, Gary Gullman was there, Natasha Leggero was there, boy, I hope Max Silvestri. It was an incredible show, and they're always incredible. It's always the highlight of my month. So February 27th, go to Largo-LA.com for tickets, uh, and hope to see you there. It's always unannounced lineups, but they are always incredible. Uh, This episode is Ramon Rivas. Boy, I love talking to Ramon Rivas. Let's blow up his Patreon. It's Blazer Ramon. You're going to talk to this guy. You're going to listen to this guy. And you are going to fall in love with him as I did. So let's show him some support, even if it is just a dollar a month on Patreon, because nobody works harder. And he's so, so, so funny. We didn't even really talk about that. He's so funny and such a delightful human being, as you're about to hear. Uh, I also want to give a shout out to the Pete's Picks. Alpha Brain, 
This is a pro- these are products that have changed my life personally. These are not just blind sponsors. These are things that I loved first and then reached out to the companies and said, hey, can we get a promo code for the listeners? They agreed. The first Pete's pick is Alpha Brain. You guys know this. It's a nootropic. It's like a multivitamin for your brain. It's earth-grown ingredients that your brain consumes like fish food, and it helps you think, helps you focus, helps you concentrate. Anytime I work, if I'm writing a book, if I'm writing a script, if I'm doing a podcast, if I'm doing stand-up, or if I'm just trying to have more brain function, even on a lazy Saturday where I'm not working, uh, I take two or three alpha brain 15 minutes before I want it to kick in. And when I say kick in, it's not a stimulant. It's not like drinking espresso. There's no feeling of jitteriness or even a energizing feeling. In fact, sometimes I take it before bed. It just helps you think, and this product, without a doubt, changed my life. Whenever I need that extra oomph to focus and really hunker down and get something done, Alpha Brain is my go-to. I wish I had it in college. I'm so glad I have it now for the past four years. Uh, not a day has gone by that I haven't taken it. I also uh, went through kind of like a, a lower patch and was really swearing by New Mood, uh, another product that they sell. They also sell MCT oil for those of you that are on the ketosis thing. On it has a lot of wonderful products and you can see a lot of them at onit.com slash weird. And if you do that, They'll show your support of this podcast, and they'll give you 10% off. The other, I've been getting a lot of great feedback about the second pizza pick, which is cachava. Cachava. Cachava is a plant-based superfood drink mix. It sounds like such a cheap way to put what it is. Like, not enough. Not enough good words in there. Drink mix. It's a superfood nutrient overload blend. How about that? That uh, tastes amazing that they went into the jungle, literally they went on an excavation into the jungle to find the most exotic, nutrient-rich superfoods known to man and known to tribal cultures for centuries, and they packed it all into this one bag. It's 100% plant-based. It's It's got omega-3s from chia and flaxseed. I used to grind my own. Now it's all in the bag, ready to go. It's got eight superfoods. It's got 17 fruits, uh, I'm sorry, greens. <laughs> greens and veggies. It's gluten-free. I know some of you out there with that celiac. You know what it is. It's gluten-free. It's soy-free. And it's free of artificial sweeteners and preservatives. It's got just enough natural coconut sweetener in there to actually taste amazing. It's got digestive support built in, 1,000 milligrams of adaptogens, 24 grams of protein, plant-based protein. Heck yeah. Nine grams of fiber. But really what makes Kachava stand out I thought it was going to be something that I would add to my smoothie. Turns out all you got to do is throw it in water. It's got powdered coconut milk in there, which makes it creamy and delicious, even on the go. Even if I'm holding baby Lee in one arm and I have to feed myself with one other free hand, you throw it in a, in a little shake bottle with some water, you shake it up, boom. It's like a meal in a pill. Tastes amazing. It gives you a, a nice high feeling from the maca, from the cacao. It's energizing. It keeps you full for hours. I travel with it. I take it when I don't have time, which is often to have a nutritious meal that ticks all those boxes, and I love it. And guess what? You get 20% off. Uh, You can get chocolate or vanilla. I get both. Mix them together. Tastes like an Oreo. It's absolutely delicious. Go to kachava, K-A-C-H-A-V-A.com slash weird, 20% off. Been getting a lot of messages from people saying they love cachava, which makes me so 
happy to turn people onto the pizza packs. Last but certainly not least is Charlotte's Web Hemp Oil, the original, the first pizza pick. And for a reason, I take Charlotte's Web Hemp Oil every single day. I get the advanced, which is the strongest kind, mint chocolate flavor, which means I'm literally just taking a couple drops of it. Um, it's almost sub-perceptual, but, it, well, that's not quite true. I feel it. <laughs> I feel it. And the way that it manifests in me, this is my own personal experience, is anxiety-reducing. It helps me relax. It's mood-elevating. It makes me happier, makes me smilier, makes me laugh a little bit easier, helps me rest and settle into the moment a little bit easier. Um, you guys know that I stopped drinking. I, I haven't even been doing any other recreational things like that. I love that I have Charlotte's Web in my corner when stress is mounting up or I'm just feeling a little bit under the gun, which I, unfortunately, the past year, there's been, not unfortunately, it's kind of a nice thing, but stress builds up. Take a little Charlotte's Web hemp oil. Really, really helps with stress and anxiety, and it really makes my mood elevate quite noticeably. It's made from the hemp plant, but they use science, science, to, uh, what was that? To remove (laughs) the THC and leave the body and brain beneficial CBD, but it's the only company that grows the hemp for human consumption. You can get CBD other places, but the Stanley Brothers are an amazing, reputable, wonderful, ethical company that grow this to be consumed by humans, and I swear by it, and I swear by them. They're wonderful guys. They did an episode of the show. Try it. That's the best thing you can do. Get the balm, which is wonderful for topical use. Uh, It's wonderful for aches and pains, headaches. Sometimes I put it on my forehead. I love it. CWHemp.com slash weird. Promo code, keep it crispy. One word. CWHemp.com slash weird. That's it, guys. If you skip to the end here, I understand you want to get into the sweet, sweet Ramon Rivas. But please, pre-order my book, Comedy, Sex, God, harperwave.com slash Pete Holmes. So excited for you guys to see that. Try a Pete's pick. See you at Largo on February 27th uh, if you're in the L.A. area. And in the meantime, enjoy the incredible Ramon Rivas. And like I said, let's blow up his Patreon. Let's blow his mind and show him some love because you're, you're, you're going to love this guy. Get into it. That's some, that's some perceptive ass shit right there. I do that same thing. Who notices that socks ain't matching? Why am I talking like I'm cool? Socks ain't matching. Because your blazer Ramon is why. No, no, you make people feel cooler than they are. Shit. A comfortable little space. Blazer Ramon. We're recording, Blaze. Yeah, man, I haven't showered yet today. Have you? No, uh, I did. I actually, I woke up and showered specifically for this. Really? Yeah, man. It's nice to have a thing to shower for. Yeah, usually I don't. Hell yeah. Yeah, man. <laughs> usually it's just like, oh, well, I'll just shower for the people, just as a courtesy. Shower to the people. Yes. Hell yeah, yeah. we're already riffing. People put it on and they're like, is this going to be a good one? And then you hear shower to the people and you're, and you're like, like, nah. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm gonna linger here. That's what, what that. I that's thought. what that little 15 second fast forward is for. Yeah, but this podcast is gonna be worse than 15 seconds. Oh, Mark yeah. my word. Yes. Ten. Nine. <laughs> we can plan it that something horrible is happening. In oh 15 man. Seconds, but I, I don't want to because Blazer Ramon is here. I'm always happy to see you. Yeah, man. So we're talking showers. Are you a shower guy? I am a shower guy. I love a shower. I, I can't do baths because I always feel like. I don't You're know. Waiting the, for something. I don't know what the rinsing technique is. I always feel like I have like residue on me. From it's in bath. there. Yeah, it's a pond. And then I'm also too big for baths. Have you found that? You're as a big Hell man. Yeah, dude. Yeah, man. If I'm ever in a nice hotel, 
It happens occasionally. Yeah. You'll be on something, put you up in a hotel that I would never want to pay for. <laughs> yeah, ever. It's like, y'all, you, you, can I just get the buyout for those hotels so I can pay my rent? <laughs> with the industry lingo. Yeah, man. Give me the buyout. Yeah, man. Uh, but if there's a, if, I have a very fond memory of staying in a nice hotel and they had a tub that was big enough for my gangly ostrich ass. Man. It's and tough, ice man. Soaked. But you're right. It's not good for scrubbing. Mm-mm. What are you doing? It's good for like just almost falling asleep. Hell yeah. But then who wants to sleep? But you, or you'll read, right? Yeah. You think you'll read, but then you're like, it's too hot. Mm. Pages are wet. Yeah. Or you think you like drink a glass of red wine. What are you, killing yourself? I'm not even trying to be <laughs> yeah, funny. Yeah, yeah. It's like you're going to drown. Yeah. You're going to drown. That's too relaxing. That's why being big in a small tub is beneficial because you cannot you slip cannot, under the water. You can't. Yeah. It just goes, and then you're stuck there. I'm so big that like I'll think the water's like full, the tub's full, and then I'll get up, and it's like got the littlest amount it of water, and it just, my body was just submerged. Hashtag displacement. Yeah. Mass. But I, I think we just came up with a billion-dollar idea. Are you ready? Yes. It's a tub. That has some sort of vent system. Okay. So, like, water is constantly being sucked out from one end, and one end is being pumped back in. So, like, you you just described a pool. Or a fountain. <laughs> <laughs> a hot pool. A hot pool. But pools are stagnant. Oh, yeah. but they're being filtered. They are being filtered. But, but fucking tubs are nasty ass. They're nasty oh, ass. Yeah. But they're kind of... I live in, like... Bachelor tubs, like bachelor tubs, isn't you don't something want you want that. to deal with at all. Gross. Yeah, because even roommates. When, even when we tried to clean, there's just like so many layers of sadness baked on top of things. Oh, that, the previous tenant. Yeah. Ugh. Mm. Ugh. Yeah. He left his old keys caked in scum on the bottom. Of <laughs> it's disgusting. But uh, if if you want to uh, in, go in on that investment with me, I'll, I'll okay. make that happen. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll maintain mental equity with it. <laughs> You have 30% mental equity yes. over that idea. Awesome. It's like an infinity pool for a tub. But tubs are so wasteful. Yeah. You can't do that shit. I feel like, what do you, how do you feel like we could make tubs less wasteful? Okay. You take half the water that you would use in a tub. Okay. And then we're going to put it in a tank. And we're going to shoot that hot water through a nozzle and it's going to spray on you. Call that shit <laughs> a shower. shower. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like how we're reverse engineering. Man, I think we're in a think tank right now. Yeah. I think this is what people are doing in think tanks. This is how actually how Republicans come up with all of their ideas. Like in an evil think tank? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In a castle. Yeah. There's some sort of Are castle. there non-evil think tanks? I feel like all think tanks are just nefarious. Like, oh, who man. can pay people to just think about shit? There's good think tanks. Mm. Al Gore's got some think tanks. What's the last good thing that came out of a think tank? The Roomba. Okay. <laughs> But, you know, like, I am interested in those things. I, I think you are, as Blazer Ramon. Yes. You like thinking about things outside I the do. Box. Yeah. So I always admire when people like Gmail, right, are like, what if email didn't exist and we were just inventing it now? Like, what if we didn't know it was like, you go here. And they're always trying. Yeah. They're like, well, we'll put your more important ones up top or yeah. something like that. It's it's create, It's a type of creative thinking that I admire. Yeah. I don't know if I'd like being in a think tank though. I don't either. I know. I want to be in a think tank. I have a friend. Tank. I have a friend who works for Google and like their 
Oh man, I forgot. I can't even properly describe it, but they like look at everything as an algorithm, like even like social interactions with people. Of course they do. You can't, it's like a a beautiful mind where at a certain point everything is science. Yeah. And you're like, even a podcast is science, like some sort of introductory. And then once the data of like comfortability is at a certain point, then I can ask you if you liked your mom or your dad better. Yeah. I I mean, is that what you just asked me? You want to know that or no? I find it significant. That you're willing to answer it. At this I mean, oh yeah, man. First of all, can I say this? Yeah, that that will be our first question. Okay, let's do this. It's like a it's like a little leprechaun we picked up and we put it in our pocket. Okay, that Boom. question. It's in there. And whenever we want it. Okay. He's dead. Okay. The leprechaun's dead. <laughs> we shouldn't have put him in our Damn. pocket. Yeah, my pockets are real tight on my shirt. <laughs> <laughs> we thought it would be adorable. Mm-hmm. That leprechaun is out. Forgot of luck. how brittle their bones are. Man, it's made out of candy cane. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's elves. But they're from the elf people. Yes. Any Uh I was going to say, I'm so happy to see you. Yeah. You're so funny. Thanks, man. I'm always happy to see you. You're just one of those guys. Yeah. And you I get that? Yeah. I, Would you hang out with you? Uh, I do most of the time. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, Are you a lone zone? Yeah. I, I'm a pretty big loner. Like, even just, <clears throat> excuse me, like going back to being a kid because both my parents worked a lot and uh-huh. my sister just didn't like me. What? Uh, older? Older sister, just yeah, like at didn't, least just, it was older. Just not a lot of com- compatibility, you know. I get it. My older brother and I we're close now, mm-hmm. ish. Yeah, closer now. I yeah. would say this if he was in the room. We're closer now. We're not like super close. There's some yeah. people that are like, like Mark and Jay Duplass. They're just oh like, yeah, they're like that. But they're yeah, not just I'm, brothers. They're I'm bros. close with my sister, but not intimately. Like we're <laughs> not bu- we're not buddies. Like well, I realized recently, my family is very much proximity based care. Like we just <laughs> like being around each other. Oh, just the frequency just the of frequ- sharing just, just, the Rivas. Just being or like I. So I've been in LA the last few years, and like my youngest nephew, when I was going home for Christmas this year, he like for the month before, it's like, when's Teal come back? When's Teal come back? When's Teal come back? Yeah. So I was like, okay, cool. So I went over there and we hung out for a little bit, and then he just went to his room and started playing video games and did that every day. Just wanted you. He around. just literally just wanted me. That's like my mom. Yeah, my mom's got that. Mm. She just. I always say to her, uh, I'm like. We don't really enjoy hanging out after a couple days. Yeah. <laughs> and she, which is kind of a mean thing to say, but, you know, we're close. So yeah. we can talk for, you like know, that, real. Yeah. And uh, and she's like, I just like having you around. Yeah. Like her perfect world isn't even necessarily like doing shit mm-hmm. like your nephew. Yeah. They just kind of want to know. That you're there. And even when I was a kid, she just wanted to know where I was. Mm-hmm. It was actually kind of. Uh, it had a negative effect on, on some part of me because I like pleasing people. Interesting. So I wanted to stay home. To be with your, to please your mom. To please my mom. Interesting. It, it worked out that I'm a little bit like you, mm-hmm. that I, I sort of like being at home. Yeah. I like my own company. Yes. That sort of stuff. Do you, do you feel like as a people pleaser when you were younger, you would not do things so that other... Be, Dude, that's a You didn't question. want to make... Because my oldest nephew has that, like he's very like anxious and has a lot of empathy mm. so he won't do things because of, oh this might make that person feel this way what and do you it's mean a, things like he won't man you mean go to the movies he won't like he won't <laughs> say he won't talk about certain things he won't do certain yeah. things like i don't know how to explain like he just preempts his choices by like talking himself out that's of that. an interesting level of anxiety if yeah. you really consider all the things that could go wrong i'm very interested in confidence it comes up a yeah. lot on the podcast and there's a certain kind of good com- there's overconfidence yeah. that nobody likes but everybody is confident 
even if they don't consider themselves a confident person, because just by speaking, yeah. you're entering in, uh, talk about an algorithm, mm-hmm. an improbable, this is like a mushroom thought. Yeah. Like you're saying something, you ever like step in it and you don't know that somebody, some tragedy befell oh, them? Yes. And you, or, or you ask, never ask what a date on a tattoo oh, is. Oh man, no. Just don't do it. Uh, I remember, it's not their birthday. I was real. I was I was real early in comedy, and I was just asking some. I was talk, talking to a crowd, and I asked this lady like something about her husband, and she said something. I'm like, she said something like negative. I'm like, wait, you don't like your husband? And yeah. everyone kind of laughed, and she was like, he died last month. And I was like, oh, 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 wow. Oh, oh, oh. Back to jokes. That is like. <laughs> But Dude. I sometimes I'll often do that like in within with my social group, like with my friends, because I just say shit without thinking a lot of times. Right. And I don't have consideration for like their position to mine or like what they're going through but or how they might that take kind it. Of, there's something again, sort of mushrooming. When when I've been on mushrooms, I've been like, why would I ever lie or be artificial about what's going on inside of me yes because it's not personal mm-hmm. you feel like you're this awareness observing it going like oh there's a thought and you just sort of like it feels good to be heard and seen yeah so you share it so there's something something like free about that yeah you could get in your head that's what we call it mm-hmm. you get in your head and go like i'd like to say happy happy birthday to you yeah. but what if your birthday makes you think of this and this and this and this and this so yeah. i won't say it but instead you're just sort of like there's something nice about going like, yeah, I'm stuck in this shit, yeah. man. And and when you say you don't like your husband and they go, my husband died last month, you can kind of charge into that and yeah. go like, well, isn't it weird that we're in this mm-hmm. together? Like, yeah. you know, I didn't mean anything yeah. by it. And now we're all just in the bathtub of awkwardness. Yeah. And there's no jets, man, because that shit hasn't At been all, invented man. yet. At all. No I had, made it. I had that like one, my, one of my uncles passed away last year. And um, one of your tios. Well, he's a tio, but he was by marriage, so he was oh. my white tio. So he can still be an uncle. Uncle, uh, <laughs> he's an uncle or a uncle. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so I went to visit. I went to pick up some soup from his wife, my aunt, my tia, for my dad because my dad was sick. So I took my oldest nephew. I was like, "Come with me," so that way, like, we can leave. Quick. faster just because i'm like i just get uncomfortable around yeah, like kids wh- always have to pee or something yeah so like we go and she's like <laughs> she just had it in a container like i was thinking oh we would have to sit and eat soup and talk so she had it in a container i'm like okay cool and then like i don't want to ask how you're doing because obviously something sad happened right and you're you know and so we're leaving i'm like oh i really like this robe because she's wearing like a cool ass robe she's like oh this is my husband's this is my way of being with him and i'm like <gasps> Okay, I gotta go. Yeah, uh, and that was me trying to avoid saying something. It's an and interesting then, topic. Yeah. I feel like something that we're missing in our society, and maybe just as humans or thoughtful or humans with brains this size. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like we've evolved to a point where we've sort of lost the ability, and it can freak people out to just like sit and be with something. She's mm-hmm. like, "This is my uh, this is my husband's. It's my way of being with him," and just being like. I wish there was a phrase. Yeah. Like, like wow. I, cause I wanted to be like, that's beautiful, but I also didn't want to like make everyone cry. <laughs> Dude. Yeah. So I'm just like, okay, cool. We'll, we'll go. I'm going to take this soup. I know. Yeah. Pain. Yeah, man. It's interesting. And like, like when is the move to like, del- when do you want me to help you get in touch with your pain? <sighs> and when is it better to help me av- avoid your pain with you? Well, like, which would of, you like? <laughs> I mean, it's interesting because like growing up poor, I feel like a lot of times you just don't leave space for sadness or happiness. Like you're like, I'm just got to keep it moving. Keep moving. So like you. You're like skimming on top of the lake. Yeah. And you like minimize so much shit and then it just compounds in this weird way. Right. To where like 
you get that anxiety or you get that awkwardness right. with other people. And That's shit. really interesting. Yeah. It is sort of a leisure activity, unfortunately, mm-hmm. to be like, you know, I felt a little violated. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. my boundaries weren't respected. Like mm-hmm. that is something that you have more time to think about when you're not wondering. Yeah. What what kind of poor were you? Well, I, I say I say like like we grew up at the top of the lower class. Like we straddled like lower class, middle class, like most of growing up. Upper lower class. Yeah. You never hear upper lower class. Yeah, That's a good so, album title. And it's a and it's a and it's a weird space because like you're still in poverty, so you don't want to be complacent. And you're close enough that it's like enticing to get to that middle class. Yeah. Lower middle class. Yeah. But you're always like, we would get there, but then like we'd get braces or like some, something major enough would come up that you were right on the line, right on the line. Another good. And so, and so like, you know, once the, like my dad worked at the steel mill, my mom worked in nonprofits, once the steel mill closed and they started getting stressed out, the personal life start collapsing. So like now instead of a two parent home, Wait, the steel mill closed. Yeah, Was like Springsteen. Yo, like I li- I grew up in Lorraine, Ohio, which is like a half hour west of Cleveland, and it was used to be a very vibrant city. Like when I was a kid, it was full on like alive, and there was shipyards, auto industry, and steel yards. Uh huh. And the school system was good. It had like a magnet program for like if you were advanced, whatever. I was in that, and then. <laughs> Humble Uh, and and then now fast forward to now like all those industries slowly died over the last several decades yeah the still the only thing the steel mill still makes is pipes for fracking so if the steel mill ever comes back it's because they're fucking the world right and it's like good news bad news yes and so now there's all the schools I went to are torn down there's more dollar generals than schools in the city I grew up in and still like stay in when i go home so it's weird that it's like you know talking to my friends and like going to therapy last year like i realized like oh yeah that's kind of like a term like you normalize just a city dying it's traumatic yeah but you don't realize it like you can't you didn't really going back to what you were saying about skimming on the i know i said skimming on the surface but that kind of idea Mm -hmm. you didn't really learn necessarily the importance of processing something through your emotional liver. Yeah. Like mourning something. Yes. Like there is a time to say that's beautiful and just have a good cry. Yeah. Because for some reason that's built into our software that we need to like go through these things. Yeah. And like that, you're, it must be really fucking crazy, man. We, I think everybody knows the trauma of going back to their old house. This is so mild. Mm-hmm. Trauma is maybe too strong a word. Yeah. But going back to your old house that you grew up in. The nostalgia. S- nostalgia is like pain for the yeah, past. Yeah, pain for the past. Yeah. And someone else lives there. Just mm-hmm. that yeah. can be like, who are the O'Briens? Mm-hmm. Get the fuck out of my bedroom. <laughs> it's an that. office now? Yeah. Like, hurts your feelings. So if you go back to your town, which is a character in your life, mm-hmm. and everything that was pulsing and thriving yeah. is now a Dollar General, or making a pipe to like, violate the earth yeah it's a, it's a weird thing and so like the instability that it came from like the fracturing of the family units and all this stuff around me in addition to the economy collapsing mm. it's like looking at it uh i'm the product of a lot of broken systems mm. but i just, uh i've recently like it was i think it was the beginning of last year i found this i forget what it's called it's like an asian um technique like when something breaks in our culture you throw it away mm-hmm. it's done right but over, sometimes it doesn't even break you just buy it you just one. buy a new one you're buy just like phone. fuck it yeah and over there they 
they repair it with like a thing of like a line of gold mm. and then now that breakage is part of the history and I what see. makes that piece unique like a human being like a human being right. so reading, we don't throw humans out but like there is something another mushroom thought mm-hmm. <laughs> Did we? This episode's brought to you by mushrooms. Mushrooms. We're on mushrooms. Yeah, we should. I mean, we should have told. The I people. haven't done them in a while. Me neither. Yeah, but there, I just kind of identify that special, warm outside mm-hmm. of yourself feeling. Hey, we don't have to call them mushroom thoughts. Yeah. but it's sometimes weird when you're just like we're soaking in metaphors. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? We take it for granted. I, I'm always trying to make this point on the podcast. It's weird that our feelings are like the rain. You know what I mean? Like sometimes you feel like the rain, yeah. or you feel lonely and but powerful like the ocean, yeah. or you feel broken like a thing mm-hmm. but with a golden crack yeah, in it. Yeah. And we're just sort of like, yeah, that's just how it is. It's fucking crazy and poetic and beautiful that yeah. we live in a world that how we feel is sometimes found in the macrocosm. Oh yeah, you know what I mean? And other people, yeah, it's, and other and, and it's reflected everywhere. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you feel like <laughs> you're the only one going through stuff, and when you don't talk about it, you're like. Ugh. Yeah, uh, yeah, but like hanging out with Ron Funches when I moved here, like he used to live around a block from me, and so like he invited me to vision board at his house one year. You made vision boards. We made vision boards, and it was just all adult men making vision boards. Fun. And then like it was really cool. And like I normally don't think in those terms. I just like keep my head down. It's all wrestling magazines yeah. and high times. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and then we did it the second year. We did it in his new house. Which he like his first year was in an apartment and his vision board had a bunch of house stuff. Uh-huh. And then the second year we did it in his house he bought. And it was all apartment stuff? Yeah. <laughs> he was trying to downsize. Uh, <laughs> I miss the simple And life. we, we, I can't do it. We make ourselves like present the boards to each other to own the was, dream. To own the dream. Dude, and so, that's what a wedding is, by the way. Dude, we're on mushrooms. You know are. what I'm saying? Yeah. You're saying, like, this is our intention. Yeah. And there's power in sharing there's, there's with people. Po- yeah. And so, like, some of the most important little lessons I picked up from the people who were sharing was, like, nothing's ever as big of a deal as it is in your head. Mm. And that is so hard to someone who, like, deals with anxiety or kind because, like, I'm outward. Like, I'm out a lot and, like, people know me, but I don't like... I'm very quiet. I kind of like keep to myself a lot. And sometimes mm. that can be perceived as, oh, this dude's an asshole. Mm. Or most of the time I'm just high, like chilling, like being like, okay, I don't know what anyone wants to talk about, but I'm here if anyone wants to talk. Right. Uh, like a Coke machine. Yeah. <laughs> You're just a buzzing Coke machine. just wait and like, okay, just push the button and we'll, we'll, we'll get it out. Yeah. Where are you from? <laughs> Cleveland. Yeah. Well, 30 minutes outside. 30 minutes outside. <laughs> um and so once you start like kind of saying shit, you realize how many. I, I mean, I feel like especially with comedy, when you take that like feeling and you put it out there, and that laughter you get from people yeah. or that like acknowledgement yeah. is them being like, "Oh, me too." Hell yeah! Like I, I feel that solidarity, and, and that's healing. It's healing, but people it's also always s- cheapen it. They were like, "We're after laughs." It's yeah. like, man, I'm trying to heal my soul. Yeah, <laughs> that, yeah. And what were we gonna say? Sorry. Uh, and I don't know. I just saying like that helps you be like oh okay i'm not you were saying it's them saying me too yeah them like, saying me too and you're like oh i'm not the only broken one or the way i'm broken isn't like in what the, see, unreparable dude that comes from my tradition i'm not forcing the religion stuff like the pastors and the preachers that couldn't share their vulnerabilities yeah i was like that's it just it's gone it's outdated mm. it doesn't work anymore yeah if my if my pastor i don't have a pastor yeah but if i had a pastor and he wasn't allowed to be like you know man I woke up this morning. I don't know what it is. I didn't get enough sleep mm-hmm. or I've just been having a lot of loss or I've been reading a lot of fucking Neil deGrasse Tyson and I'm just feeling like we're alone. Yeah. And that's my experience today. 
And if we believe that I'm a piece of God and the Spirit of God, well, that's what the Spirit of God is saying today, that it's all bullshit. And I'd be like, fucking thank you. You know how hard that would kill? Yeah. So many old ladies. Applause? The old ladies be getting up, running around, sitting back down? Yes. Some old ladies, I was going to say, would be upset because Mm -hmm. they're there to see Mickey Mouse. They want to see the The mascot mm -hmm. of what you're supposed to feel. Yeah. What the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. Everybody is everything. Mm -hmm. Tony Robbins, I'm just trying to think of somebody that seems to have their shit together. Some. Why do you think he does all that shit? And it's funny, Nobody's like, jumping in a cold plunge if not jumping in a cold plunge doesn't feel like being alone in yeah, the universe. Yeah. I mean, I definitely feel like when when you love something, you have to love all of it, like the good and the bad. Hell yeah. Gold crack. Gold crack. And like the I feel that way about like the city of Cleveland. I feel that way about like religion. Like there's good and bad aspects of everything. Right. And you have to keep those in mind. Like you can't like, you know, it's not a la carte. Well, I, I mean... I think there was that Marilyn Monroe quote where it's like, if you don't love me at my worst, you don't deserve me at my best. Mm-hmm. Hashtag slightly cheesy that I'm yeah, saying that. Yeah. But she's on to something. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. you love me for being perfect? Fucking yeah. kiss my ass, dude. Yeah. You know who else loves me when I'm perfect? Everybody. Yeah. You know when I could use a little help? When I'm not perfect. When the crack is there and the gold ain't there yet. Yeah. Help me with the gold. Yeah. Help me with the gold. <laughs> Fucking hey. And you, and I think you're right. That is a big part of, it sounds like your relationship with Cleveland yeah. is you don't want to, you like, I think of you as a Cleveland guy, yeah. even though you're here and you're saying you got, there's a lot of decay there, mm-hmm. but you're not turning your back on it. Yeah. Like I tried to like, you know, I mean, we even met, we met in Cleveland. I think yeah. hilarity is the first time. Yeah. And then. You Were did, you emceeing? I was emceeing. And then uh, you came to rock venues after that. But like I would work at the clubs, kind of poach the work with the people I wanted to work with, who I wanted to learn from more yeah. than anything. Yeah. And then would run a lot of my own like independent alternative yeah. shows. yeah, yeah. yeah. And so in the course of doing that, like, and I was running shows just so I could perform more because I wasn't funny enough to work at the clubs consistently when I yeah. started doing it. And in doing Dude, that, I just want to, I want a Ramon Rivas flag. <laughs> yeah, man. I do. It's just going to be like weed and someone. Well, like we're going to roll it up. Okay. With yeah, some yeah. funkin', funkin' weed in there. <laughs> um, but I, I want you to slow down here because yeah. your hustle, and really that's just a cheap word for drive and mm-hmm. passion was always so evident. So, like, there's so many people listening to this podcast that are, like, interested in comedy and stuff. Yeah. Or fuck that. They might just be interested in being a restaurant or entrepreneur. Or just doing something. Doing getting something. out of what they were doing, yeah. But there's, like, this victim mentality that we all have a little bit of. Mm-hmm. And it's so tempting. And, frankly, it can – a lot of stoners, in my experience, have even more of it. Mm. Like, it's like it's not, not just yeah, stereotype, yeah, yeah, yeah. but a lot of guys that I know that smoke a lot of weed and people who don't have this thing where it's like, well, I'd do that, but this, this, and this. Like, mm. your brain loves to build a conspiracy. Yeah. Like, you're Ramon Rivas, and you'd love to perform more in Cleveland and the surrounding area, but you just said you're not funny enough. So what do you do? So many comics, I'm getting on the soapbox, yeah. would just go, well, it's a catch-22. They won't let me perform. That's yeah. how I get better. I can't get better, so I can't perform. Yeah. And then you know what they do? They just fucking hate on everyone that's getting shit yeah. and they're going like, well, that guy's getting it because he's, uh, he's Indian. Yeah. Or, they, you know, some stupid shit like that yeah. instead of doing what motherfucking Ramon Rivas, the second? Yeah. Blazer Ramon, what did you do? Tell the people. Well, Tell I, the people, Ramon. I just... It's Super Soul Sunday. It's Super Soul Sunday. <laughs> it, it is... Uh, 
I, I literally just kind of I took a page from what I see my parents do because like my parents are, you know, they're great people, they're hard workers, but like neither of them has like college education. Like they both had high school. Like my dad was in the military for a while. Like my dad is very my dad can fix anything. He does like contracting work, does flooring, does all. So now that he got tired of working for people who he always felt that he'd have to overwork for, mm. meaning he's so good at what he does he's going to pick up the slack for these people who get to be mediocre, but mm. they get to be mediocre and have no expectations because they're white. Oh. That's what he would keep running into in his yeah. jobs. Yeah. So he got tired of it, so he just does his own thing now. So he, the way he operates is he can go and do a job for a few hundred dollars and just string those together and knock shit out. Oh, wow. My mom uh, always worked for nonprofits and kind of running the same thing. Is that like, Ramon Rivest number that's one? That's number one. 1.0. Yeah. Uh, beta. Beta. <laughs> Uh, actually, Alpha, uh, but uh, I would be the beta model. Um, and my mom worked at nonprofits, but we're kind of running the same thing. Like, she would be so aware of, like, you know, working in, like, um, foster care, all these things. She would know how to do caseworker stuff. She'd know how to do things above her position. Mm. And so then when she would notice that they're not properly advocating for the actual clients or anything like that, and she'd speak up, now you're speaking out of turn. Oh, wow. This isn't your place to do that. And so now she's like, she went to, she's always been in the Reiki, like energy work, hmm. right? She was like a Reiki master in like early 2000s. Oh, wow. And she, so she does energy work. She does all this stuff. And she went to massage, uh, like physical therapist classes four years ago and crushed them, but didn't have the money to pay for them. Hmm. So she's just been doing like unlicensed massages and energy work, like, you know, and now she finally had the money she paid off the class now she has to refresh herself so she can go take the boards but again this is now this is now so she but again she can okay Hell i have yeah. these people doing massages i can make this much you know she again oh i need this i can just go just boop, like boop, your boop, dad boop. just like my dad you so they now, both ran into a no and just, just oh. i'm fascinated with that i don't know what to call it a gene or oh, mm-hmm. let's call it a characteristic yeah because some people get overcome and they fold into themselves yeah. and, and I'm sympathizing. It's tempting yeah. to go into the victim mm-hmm. mode. Well, because it's like your dad could have by rights been like, I have to work harder than these guys mm-hmm. and they suck. Yeah. And just because where, what is your lineage? I want to, um, ha- my dad's Puerto Rican just because I'm not, well, I'll just say yeah. because I'm not a white guy, yeah. I got to work harder mm-hmm. for less. And it's hard. He could have been like, fuck this. But yeah. instead he figured a way around it. Mm-hmm. That's fucking admirable. And yeah. your mom did the same thing. The same thing. And, and then Ramon Rivas number two is about to do the same thing. And there's a lot of, uh, self-starting and hustle in that, but there's also very little, if any stability. Yeah. So, like, everything you get is because you went and got it. Yeah. And so, you know, saying all that to go to how I approached comedy, like, once I found it, like, I was... And were they open about it? Did you absorb it quietly, Coke machine style, or were they, like... Um, no, 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 it's just like, one of those things I realized that, like, I that's something I realized, like, going back the since I moved to L.A., going back and seeing them, like... Oh, you! Everyone in my family has worked very hard to be exactly where they're at. But you picked it up by osmosis. osmosis. They weren't like lecturing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, no, 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 yeah. not at all. And so, like, I were they giving you space to be? Like when doing, you were like, "I'm going to be a comedian," they weren't like, "Dude, I just put in twelve floors." No, they questioned. <laughs> they questioned it and like, "Wait, you're going to do what? How much are you getting paid?" I'm like, "Nothing," but like, I'm, I want to go do it. And they're like, 
all right, here's the car. Like, cause I didn't have, a, <laughs> I didn't have a car at the time. So like I was getting from Lorraine to Cleveland for open mics by borrowing like my mom or dad's or sister's car. And so I was, they would sacrifice being able to go do shit that evening for me to go wow. do these mics and whatever. Which by the way, the mics are already hard enough. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? If you yeah. have to inconvenience someone. Yeah. And so, <laughs> and so it was one of those things. It's another reason. That it's just another fork, ro- uh, fork in the road where you could be like, I'd do it, but I got to, I don't want to, you know, we were talking about it. Your nephew or, yeah. or whoever it was that's overly, mm-hmm. arguably overly empathetic. Yeah. I don't want to put them out. Yeah. It, it takes that little that spark little of like, I got to. And it, it's the little, <laughs> it's the sorry. little spark of, no. I should be able to do this. Like, right. uh, he, he, my nephew, a few weeks ago, who's his midterms, and he was like stressed out. I'm like, well, what are you stressing? He's like, I gotta make a bunch of stuff. And he started listing a bunch of delicious things. And I'm like, well, I'll eat those. Like, I'll tell me what you need. I'll go get the stuff. He's like, well, that's gonna require you spending money. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, fuck, you're too aware of how poor the family is because yeah. you're still a child. Technically, you shouldn't be aware of that sort of place you should still want things yeah you know you just you don't want ingredients so you could practice cooking right um it's a sh- it's, it's fucking it's, it's, heartbreaking and, it's, and so that's where i'm yeah. like i've been here for two years and i'm like oh i could have like helped that not be a thing yeah um but anyways and then so like i'm like i'll bring the list tomorrow and he didn't bring the list he refused to bring the list all too week. polite not too polite he was like well oh i was busy at school blah 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 and then i'm like well let's just look up a recipe online you can practice like it don't matter he's like no i have to practice the exact recipe like we have so he just is very like no no like just built-in excuses for everything and i don't know how to bottle the stop giving a fuck yeah that i have i know to give to him that's it Stop giving a fuck. Yeah. Or like people would say in the 80s, don't sweat the small stuff or something. You know, there's something about, you know what it is? It's like a vision, right? So like you have a vision for yourself doing comedy and you have to have some sort of ownership over the idea that that's bigger than just doing an open mic. Yeah. You're like, and it's not just like about making it or or succeeding or something. You're like, I feel like I can hear my calling or what I want to do and I'm going to follow that. It's kind of all we have. So I'm going to go with it, yeah. and I'm going to inconvenience my sister or my mother or my father mm-hmm. to do it because I'm sorry, omelet eggs. Yeah. And just deal with it. Yeah, man. And you're in the car, blazing. Driving. Yeah, man. <laughs> and it's, it's funny because it's Katie, like- Can you turn that off? People, do you care? Pe- No, no, that's fine. Like Thank people, you, please. Thank you. People in where I'm from, they're like, I'm not driving to Cleveland. It's the half hour. I'm not driving. And in, Dude. A, in LA or New York, you would beat someone up to have a consistent half hour commute to things. Yeah. So that's the thing that leaving has helped me realize is like, oh, this is actually like feels like a Sim City type of like I can flatten the land. I can set up, <laughs> you know, like learn these things from these other cities, which is kind of what happened. Like uh, I about a year in, I started. What do you mean by flatten the land? Because I played Sim City and I know uh, what you're talking about. Like, so it. like when you just have a default map, there's bumps and shit yeah. and like it's hard to build on. Yeah. But when you flatten the land now, you're like, oh, I can put all this shit next to each other. Like, like it's not as commercial. So what? <laughs> But I mean, in Cleveland, when I started, there was one weekly comedy open mic. Mm. That was it. Everything else was a mixed music, poetry, open mic, whatever. Right. Or the clubs, which there's just a huge gap between, like, right. I just started and I can work at comedy clubs and now. they love being a gatekeeper. They love being gatekeepers. Yeah, they want to they send you away. Um, and so... Like kung Fu. Remember when the kid goes yeah, through, they don't let you in? No. They make you sit on the, in yeah, the rain? Yeah, sit outside and just <laughs> pay your dues. And there's a place for that. Mm-hmm. 
but not before you're good. Not before you're good. So you got to find a new way. There's one, and then the mix. You got the dwarves and the elves yeah. and the wizards all in the same place. Yeah. Hobbits singing a song. Yeah. Wizards doing poetry. Yeah. Dwarf is doing stand-up. Yeah, man. And then just slowly, like, I went to Chicago one summer because I got a job at my buddy, worked for a nonprofit that had, like, youth groups come in and do missionary work in the inner city. Mm. And I was just a cook's assistant. So I'd wake up. I'd set breakfast out. I'd cook dinner twice a week, and then I had every night and weekend off mm. to do shows, and I had free room and board. Whoa. So I was like, all right. So I was really happy that summer, and that's when I met like all my friends from that summer are smashing comedy right now. Really? Yes. Hit the names. Uh, Drew Michael, Kenny DeForest, Will Miles, nice. Clark Jones, yeah. Lisa Traeger, Megan Gailey. Nice. Um, the, there's a bunch. That's a great group. There's a bunch more, and it's just like, and that's when I started hearing about like guys like you and Hannibal because you guys were the OG class of Chicago. Like you guys were young in Chicago and right. set the tone for how to hustle and approach shit. Oh, I love that. So it's like it's interesting to see like the trickle down effect. Yeah. Of shit. Hannibal had way more hustle. Yeah. Than me. I'd love to be in that group. And that was just and yeah, I was soft. <laughs> really? Softer than Hannibal. Hannibal was famous. Mm-hmm. Still is, I guess, yeah. to us, for doing like shows that were just in some neighborhood. Yeah, I don't mean a rough neighborhood. Mm-hmm. I mean some like sparrow fart town. Yeah, where it's like, why would I do it? Hannibal did it. Yeah, and he'd do it. He'd do the five p.m. show. Mm-hmm. He'd do the seven p.m. show. He'd do the yeah. nine p.m. show. Me and Kumail and and those guys, we had our shows, but we didn't work as hard as Hannibal. Interesting. Nobody worked. Nobody yeah. did. Yeah. Not even close. Yeah, man. But I mean, we hustled. We yeah. Did. I mean, he definitely replaced Seinfeld as my role model for work ethic. Like once I got like fully yeah. familiar with him. But you know what? Seinfeld started in the discotheques and stuff at a time when comedy clubs didn't even exist. Exa- yeah. So those dudes are Hannibal level two. Yeah. But Hannibal's just like of the same cloth yeah he like some some of us are just too scared mm-hmm. i think back when i got to new york for the first time and i would go to like like flatbush and do some poetry open mic or something yeah. or the fact that i went i'm like i, I just want to ramon rivas flag myself <laughs> i'm like how did it you know what i mean yeah how like did that, i know to keep trudging that shit is so precious to me yeah it's the sort of stuff that like I wouldn't impose that on my daughter. I don't care if she has drive in the square yeah, or not. Yeah. But you're like, if you do want to pursue some sort of weird thing like this, I hope you have some of that like mix of naivete yeah. and courage, mm-hmm. but also just sort of like this this ownership of like this is what I do. Yeah, like you just sort of take on the moniker mm-hmm. of comedian, and you're like, this is what we do. And we have the examples. We have the Hannibals, and I had the Seinfelds, yeah. and go like they worked really hard and they hustled. Yeah. So you got to Chicago, you had room and board. We're not in Cleveland anymore, but you're flattening the land, SimCity style. Yeah, so like I hadn't, I'd been doing more shows in Cleveland. Like I think before I left, I hosted a week at Hilarities, like right before I left for the summer. How do right? you get that? Uh, I it, still see that as like it took a while. People to, are like, "I'm doing Colbert." I'm like, "No, no, tell me how you got to host Hilarities." Yeah, I when you weren't <laughs> shit. I so I just had like a lot of my yeah. friends who I was meeting, like the Jim Tuzes and Ryan Dalton and Mike Polks, who are the, like the 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 veterans and the veteran professionals in Cleveland, who are like, "Oh, you can actually do this as a thing." Uh huh. Um, Essential guys. Yeah, so they would be hosting and featuring at the club, and so I started like going with them. Uh-huh. To just like hang out, perfect. And so I started doing. But even that, even that. So I started not asking, easy to do. Start asking for guest spots. And you got to know. Being a coke machine is kind of good. Yeah, man. There's it's kind of an uh, essential energy to be like, 
Can you go to a club? Mm-hmm. No, you won't get anything. Yeah. Don't piss anybody off. And Don't just, even really make that much of an impression just either be way. Able to be around. Just be around. Yeah. That's why I was like, you're a ham and egger in that good way. Yeah. Just like a comfortable guy. People go like the club. Probably looking back, we're probably like. Kind of weird. Well, I was actually going to say, you never know. They might have been a little bit happy that a comedian was there. Yeah. Because you never know when things go sideways. Mm-hmm. Keep going. Um, and so I started doing that, and then I started asking for guest says I said no. Then I started saying yes. <laughs> and then I did. Just by persistence? Just by persistence. You know, just by, well, by persistence and then also by pointing out, like I started having to a certain point being like, well, I can be as bad as that person. That That's, they were letting dude. host. And well, not to, like, said, I hate shitting on people, and I wasn't trying to. I'm just like, I can do that. Like, if if the reason you are working them is because they are, uh, I call them, I call comics, I've re- started calling comics like that, they're parsley on the plate. <laughs> they don't affect the palate of the rest of the show. Right. Meaning, like, they're not going to go out there and say some shit that's going to piss off Pete Holmes's crowd. Right. They're just going to go out there. They'll gonna, do comedy. They'll do comedy. They'll be done. They'll do the announcements, and they'll bring pronounce people's names correctly. Right. Bring them up. And so I was like, I can do that. And I'm like, like ah, well, you can do these guy sets now. And then I kept doing those. Well, did you explicitly tell them that? Were you like, I can do that? At a certain point, yeah. At a certain point, when I kept asking the host, and they kept saying no, I'm like, but I can, I can be that bad. Like, I said that. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and... And you know, like I can be that bad. I can be that that's bad. That's like book title. Yeah, and Ramon that, Rivas too. And that's what I, I always. Too. That's what I always <laughs> tell comics who are like who sees like they see me at the club and they're like, where how'd you get in comedy? Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, just go to an open mic and see how bad people that's what are, I tell people and too. then be like, I can be that bad. That's that's. I think that is the most essential advice. I, that's what if somebody says one piece of advice, I go go to an open mic. Don't even sign up. Just watch. Yeah, you will go. I can do that. I can do that. Yeah. You would be insane. My mom would go, I can do that. Yeah. Because guess what? You can do that. You can do it. You can be that bad. Yeah, man. Whether or not you can be great remains to be seen, but you don't You don't even know. No. You don't know what gear you're going to click in when the adrenaline of an mm-hmm. audience is there, yeah, and man. you get that laugh, and you find your rhythm and all that stuff. At all. You don't know yourself. At all. I'm going to hit you with a wet towel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not even crack. I'm going to hit Just you with it. Smack you with it. <laughs> <laughs> just a heavy towel for put in the freezer first <laughs> um and then so i moved back from chicago and i came back and so i'm like okay i can start working at the club but i was getting just any date they gave me so i was working with comics who like who are you okay cool isn't that uh, a weird feeling yeah that's like a whole phenomenon mm-hmm. of headliners that you're like what or who headliners who have very specific pitches for their merch that you need to remember hell yeah uh, i used to get in trouble for doing the pitch wrong yeah as the host yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like you didn't bring the thing up you're supposed to hold this you're mm-hmm. supposed to say that or getting the and i still remember as a host getting intros wrong yeah or they'd bring like sometimes they'd bring their uh, boyfriends or girlfriends, and you'd be watching as the burning ember of beginning comic, mm-hmm. watching some nepotism, yeah, or some like uh, it's little not nepotism little if it's little. A did you know one day you would be on the other side of that nepotism, soaking it in? Because <laughs> um, that's a, that's literally all it is. Like I've learned uh, one thing I've learned in all the years I've been doing comedy is I feel like a lot of times these gatekeepers or the club bookers or whatever. They feel like sommeliers for white comfort, and they're just like, mm, "Can you not do that joke? That or can you not say this?" And it's like, <sighs> sommeliers for white. Comfort. I guess so. Like it's, and it's one of those things that, like, I feel like once they trust you, it's like you should just let me do whatever. Like if I bomb with it, I'm not going to do it tomorrow, right? 
Like but, you, you also want to do well. Yeah, and the audience happens to be. Yeah, right. but I also want like early on I didn't know wh- what I wanted to do, but now I know. Like I want to like make you think. Like I know how going to Edinburgh this past year. Like I have my thesis for the act, and Speaking now I want you to. <laughs> I want you to feel that. I know how I want you to feel at the end of my hour, and so now I just try to make you feel like that, no matter how long my set is. That's interesting. So an overview. Yes, it's like looking at your your set. Rob Bell would say from a different altitude. Mm. It's like the big picture. You can fly low and, and fix the punchlines yeah. and stuff, or you can fly high and be like, what do I want them to walk away from? Yeah. But you, it sounds like you ran into that as an obstacle. White audiences, predominantly white club mm-hmm. owners, bookers, whatever. Yeah. And if I'm hearing you correctly, they're nervous that you're going to make it a little too. Sometimes, yeah. Like, I mean, even recently, I had a club, you know, uh, I I was like, hey, I asked for about a week they had open, and it was just a two-person show. And they're like, well, can you not piss off his crowd? Yeah. And I just kind of looked at them. I was like, how long do you need me to do? And they're like, 15, 20 minutes. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> no, I didn't say like, you know, I don't think they realized how offensive it was to say that to someone who's like worked at their club for years in right. front of the same kind of crowd. Right. And then also who headlines in their own right. Like, I don't think you would say that to a lot a number of people right but also the mindset of that and had they not asked me and had they just been like oh, i'll let you know and then just felt that and not let me do it right uh and you're then, almost like upset and like at least thanks for asking that ignorant yeah question. and so i did the week and then the club owner was like hey man you did really great all week like i got a lot of fantastic feedback on you like great and i'm like yeah <laughs> <laughs> but had that mindset won out the the Somalia, um, right. I don't think I don't think. Or if of, you had taken it personally, yeah, and that's the other thing is that's the the flip side of it is kind of not taking anything too heavily because like it's not he probably didn't even realize how offensive that was to that's say. That's What I mean, right? It's not right, and so it's a lot of those. My, that's the and that's the same thing my parents would run into. Right, like it's it's not overt. Like oh, we're racist. It's like no. But there's a preference built in right. that affects you giving me the same consideration and opportunity you giving these other people. Right. And like sometimes, like even when there's like a lot of times, like now that I'm headlining or I hope to be headlining more, b- before they'd be like, well, we need you to be have credits before we can work you. And now I've fortunate to have gotten credits. HBO's crashing. What? Uh, HBO's <laughs> crashing. Entry nose. Comedy Central. You know what I'm saying? All this shit. <laughs> and I got, like, being in LA, I earned all the logos. Like, I could slap HBO. I could slap Comedy Central. I could slap, slap Viceland. I could slap Netflix. Collecting logos. Boom. Right? Yeah. But now clubs are like, oh, you're not a draw. Right. And I can point on their calendar to people who are also not draws. Right. And they're like, oh, well... They've worked here for a couple of years. I'm I like, just caught you with your draws down. Yeah, and it's like, okay, well, now you just keep you keep changing what it is. And so it's like, I can't take that personally because I know that like, as a club, you have a small amount of new spaces for headliners every year. Right. You have your people you're going to bring in. You have your people that the agencies are going to press it on you. It actually reminds me of, like, what do we say to grieving people? Mm. It's like, there's code. Yeah. And sometimes it is personal, and, and often it is shitty. Yeah. And then you're having this, like, third level awareness of going like okay maybe it's not fair yeah but still maybe it's not personal mm-hmm. and maybe i'm gonna keep going yeah and then not, not like i'm not i'm gonna remember to circle back yeah to this club and not taking it personal is why i went and did a, that that week i went up and i didn't change what i wanted to talk about with that crowd like um my act right now is about uh 
poverty, race, and sexual power dynamics. And I <laughs> went up. Nobody can say that. Right? I love and that. And I went That's up. Great. And it, none of that sounds funny. Uh, but happy. I went up. But I went up and I did that. Yep. In front of these, I would say probably like majority Republican voters, like Cleveland, Ohio was a swing state. They voted for Trump. The RNC was in Cleveland. And like I've since then, like I, right after the election, I was working with Will Anderson. This lady like left and like complained about me and Will in front of me to the manager. Mm. And and so it's just this space is like these are the people who are these are the 53 percent of white women who voted for him. Wow. These are the people who think. There's nothing wrong with what he's doing. And I'm not talking about him being trash. I'm talking about my experience as a poor brown person. And then when I went to Scotland, people thought I was white. So that fucked with me on this whole other level that made me realize how I operate here. So that's what I was talking about. So I'm talking about whiteness and my color, but in this inverted way. Hmm. And it's really like it's cool to be able to like sneak sneak attack those like deep right. thoughts into people right. and then also just like still talk about weed <laughs> <laughs> well you're giving it a, ca- a colorful candy shell yeah, yeah yeah right but even that i think it's really interesting the idea it keeps coming up of not of not taking things personally because yeah. it, it really even if it sucks you know what i mean like somebody like yeah. sniffing you out if you can yeah. be white enough yeah. or whatever you want to mm-hmm. say is fucked up but like yeah. Fix that. We're gonna have to go around it and mm-hmm. and kind of. Uh, I don't know around. It. I think we need to go through it. I was gonna say circle around it and attack it from above. Oh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Because you can uh, have the last laugh, but like not if you don't get around yeah, that nonsense. Yeah, but what yeah. is your thought on that? I mean, uh, I think that man, because I feel like a lot of it might be the fact that I'm used to going without. Or having to have these like the uphill battleness of things mm-hmm. that I'm like I can't take it personally, or else I wouldn't have even made any moves ever, right? At all. There's like a because so- society you made yeah. disempowerment empowering. Yes, because you know uh, it's so it's this weird it's like fucking beautiful. Yeah, and it's it's a it's it's so layered. Everything's so layered and baked into each other. Yeah, that it's hard when you're like uh, like when the, when you talk about like the troubles in like inner city schools and we're like, but it's not about race. It's like, well, it's hard to take out something that's like one of the main ingredients and factors in it. Right. It's like, Hey, we're going to make rice and beans, but without rice or beans, but make it right. It's like, Oh, and okay. Your, and your nephew's like, forget it. I got to cook the rest. Yeah. Of the I got to get, <laughs> don't, don't, don't buy the ingredients. This costs money. Uh, <laughs> Heartbreaking. Yeah. So, okay. Where were we in the story? You started, you did uh, that. Club. I came back. I came you back came from back. Chicago. Yeah. I uh, was running shows and then just working more. Right? How did you start running the shows? Are you just cold call uh, bars? No, I would. So the open mic, the third the third place I ever went and performed, which was an open mic called Chucklefuck, which was ran by Jim Twos, a great comic who lives in New York now. Um, and we would co-host. When I moved back from Chicago, we started co-hosting it. And then he was moving to New York, so I produced a roast for him <laughs> using the name Chucklefuck. Mm-hmm. And then I started doing that. Same. Like I was just, I was happy in Chicago because I was doing so much, so much comedy. Mm-hmm. And the comedy shows I was doing is like the back room of coffee shops, like side rooms at rock venues, like all the laundromats, like all this weird shit. And I'm like, oh, there's nothing keeping this from happening in Cleveland except like trying it. 
That's another essential, well, let's call it an enzyme this time. Yeah. Like, we're all seeing the same thing, but there are some people that go, you can do this in Cleveland. Yeah, I'm like, there's nothing, <laughs> because, and the other thing about Cleveland is everyone's always complaining, there's nothing to do. Yeah. Well, there's nothing to do. So I'm like, all right, well, I'll give people something to do. <laughs> and the first. Can we get you a crown or something? <laughs> <laughs> I've never had the urge to put a crown the, on the guest. Uh, the first. Just for the rest of the interview. <laughs> <laughs> the first. Like, I want to say like twelve or fifteen places I like did shows at, all folded mm-hmm. within a few months, whatever. Mm-hmm. But I would get these venues to give me like oh like fifty dollars a show and I run this open mic, blah blah blah. And so I was so like, they pay you because they were drinking. Well, they pay me because I'm like I'm arguably I'm going to bring people to the bar. Like, was even, there any sort of check there? Like they had to buy two drinks or something? No, because like no. New York all the mics you have to buy. Two no. Drinks. It was just like, I'm going to get you a crowd. I'm going to get you a crowd. I'm going to get very, you some people I feel here. like that's a Midwestern thing because in Chicago, too, yeah, we'll do an open mic and people just came yeah. to watch. To watch because there's, uh, there's nothing going on. Because <laughs> there's nothing going so, on. So uh, I started doing that. All of a fold. And then I found a, a bar that had like this little upstairs room and they'd done comedy in it before, but the dudes kind of soured the venue on it because they were putting the same comics up all the time. Yep. And it's a whole other thing. And so I got that venue to let me do like some one off some one off shows, right? So I was doing like showcasey stuff there, and like it, the shows would be free, and I would book a, like a mix of comics, and then like I would have like go to the thrift store and buy like weird records and just give them away, just dumb shit, like just like oh this seems weird and yeah, fun. but it's a good instinct. Good you know instinct. What I mean, like something happened, right? Even if it is just a dumb record, that guy or that girl goes home. And then they see that record, and they're mm-hmm. like, let's go back to that show. So that venue was my first successful thing outside of the coffee shop I inherited. Right? Still called Chuckle, Chuckle Fuck. Fuck? Now, the open mic at Chuckle Fuck was every Monday. It would be like, you know, five comics would be scheduled via email, and then like vets, whatever, could drop in. Mm-hmm. Right? And all I would get at this coffee shop that I inherited the show at was free beer or coffee. I don't drink either. Mm-hmm. Right? At the time, I quit drinking like a year into comedy. And on purpose, uh, yeah, Wait, I, well, you know what I mean, yeah, because I, of comedy. Well, I almost Tell a me. friend of mine died in a drunk driving accident, and that made that's what made me start shooting comedy like a full time, non paying job. But and I so I stopped drinking, and then I was in that space in comedy where all they they don't pay you, they just give you drink tickets, right? Uh, which is <clears throat> I'm still in, and uh, they um. How much drinking is just because you're like, a I, lot. I have to win it back at the bar? Mm-hmm, a lot. <laughs> um, and so I blacked out. I started drinking again because I found it hard to talk to women who were drunk when I was sober. I know that. That feels a weird. So I'm like, okay, so I started drinking again. And then I like blacked out after a show and drove home and crashed into a steel guardrail like a mile from my house yes. and then just drove home. Wow. So, like, I didn't get a DUI. I didn't die. I didn't kill anybody. My car was fucked up, but it still drove for a little bit. I hurt myself <laughs> a little bit, but I was fine. So I was like, I don't like drinking anyway, so we'll just get rid of this. Yeah. Um, but also, first of all, I'm glad you're okay. Thanks, man. Second of all, it sounds like in there there was, like, you said it's going to be my full-time non-paying job, mm-hmm. which means, you know, how many of us, how many of our brothers and sisters fall because of booze? I mean, yeah. I don't mean to be anti-booze. I'm just saying, like, I see it. And I'm not talking about dying, necessarily. Yeah. 
Talking about like poor choices, poor... gives them poor choices, and like it can cloud your brain a little yeah. bit. A lot of things can cloud your brain, man. Yeah. I'm not like negative friends can cloud your yep. brain. So I don't mean to just demonize alcohol, yeah. but I've seen it take a lot of us out. Yeah, <laughs> or not, not 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 keep take a lot of us out, but just like keep a lot of us down. Keep them down. That's what it yeah. is. Yeah. I mean, and I, so you were like, I'm just gonna feel unsatisfied. Yeah. Instead of having twelve Michelob lights, yeah. I'm just gonna feel, feel the discomfort yeah. of like this sucks. I got to figure something yeah. out. Yeah. So, um, where were we? I forget where we were. You stopped drinking. You had chuckle fuck Monday nights. Oh, so uh, this bar, the, the Monday night, that gave me free coffee or beer. I don't drink either. Right. The venue I was doing these shows at, that uh, it was called Redstone. They, I, I got. They wouldn't let me charge at the door at first, and they weren't giving me any money. Mm-hmm. Right. So I finally got to a point where I'm like, well, can I? I'm uh, comedians. You should know group out of Chicago. They now they run shows in New York and L.A. and Chicago. But at the time, they like just put out their uh, debut album of their initial members, and they were doing a tour. And I was like, "Well, you guys come here." And they're like, "We want to charge at the door." So I asked the venue. I'm like, "Well, they want the door," and they're like, "Okay, well, we'll sell wrist. Anyone who pays can get a wristband for discounted drinks, and then you guys can keep that." And I was like, "Okay, cool." So every, anyone can come in. Anyone can come in. And but if, if you, you get a wristband, you get discount. You get discount. Okay. Everyone bought wristbands. So of they course. did not make as much money because people were getting discounted booze. Uh-huh. So, and then the show was packed, right? <laughs> so that was the first show where, like, money was generated for them, and the bar didn't make as much money as they could have. So then right. from that point, I negotiated. I was like, let me charge at the door. When did you go back? Next day? Just... I think I later did, later just whatever. I but it wasn't at the venue like in the movie the, in the Bohemian Rhapsody of this. It happens that night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're watching the bar and you go next time. Yeah, and then it dissolves. And so I got them to give me like let me keep the door for the comics when I would charge at the door, and then they started giving me two dollars for every person that came out. Like initially they were giving me like a percentage of the bar, mm. but I can't. I'd have more people but make less money, and I was like, I don't like that. I'd rather be able to, this many people, this much money. Right. Right. And are you counting? And I count the people. Yeah. So, like, the guarantee was at least 50, no matter how many people, or $2 ahead. So, if there's like 100 people in the room, I'd leave with 200 bucks. Yeah. You know, just like little boom. Yeah, big deal. So, I moved. That, you know what that is? Ingredients. In, yes. So, I moved <laughs> the open mic from the coffee shop to Redstone. Okay. So, now something I was making no money, now I'm making a little bit of money. Mm-hmm. And it's still free open mic. Mm-hmm. And then I started. Then I had met Hannibal in Chicago. So the comics aren't paying. The comics aren't paying. Wow, just the audience. See, New York man is all like it's all it's, comics it's, will it's, pay. That's what I mean by Sim City. Like, there's a lot of these like bad. Oh, this is a slanted to your it's, disadvantage. You're right. This we're this. building on a hill. So now we're like, okay, none of these problems from scratch. Yeah. And so, um. But there's a purity of your intention there. Yeah, and it's a weird, like, I've described it as selfishly selfless. Because I'm doing all this shit for me. Yeah. But I don't feel like, like even, like, once I got to the point where I stopped calling it Chuckle Fuck, I call it Accidental Comedy. And it's a group dedicated (laughs) to enriching the arts in Cleveland through live comedy and other productions. Hmm. I didn't call it Ramon Rivas Enterprises or anything like that. Because I feel like what I brought together exists whether I'm there or not. Yeah, but that's vision, too. That's yeah. like zoomed out. Yeah, yeah you're yeah. flying at a pretty high altitude. Yeah, and, trying to. But yep. and I feel like people not only are drawn to that, but those things have their own mm-hmm. natural pulse. Yeah, like Cleveland wants 
to be born again in yeah. the arts. And you're like, I'll do that. I'll do it. But there are, you know, there are a lot, I don't want to shit on anybody, but a lot of the people that produce shows were doing it from an ego level. Yeah. And selfishly, selflessly selfish is another great book title. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to have so many books. Uh, <laughs> they're good. They'll it. be real little, but the, the titles, though. Son. They're pamphlets. Uh, <laughs> they're dusk jackets. But, or other books you might own. Hey, man, I just put them on other books. <laughs> um, but Hannibal was touring for his first album. Mm-hmm. He didn't have any Ohio dates. And I'd met him just like real briefly in Chicago. And I just messaged him like, hey, I'm a fan. Like, which is Chicago. Like, I have this little room. You Twittered him? Uh, I, I think I just messaged him on Facebook. Yeah. And I was like, hey, like, I have this room. Like, I just had these dudes from Chicago who he knew from Chicago. I'm like, they came out. Like, mm-hmm. if, I, if you're any interest. So, like, had him set up, help him set up a show. And then... Uh, this dude from Columbus set up a show. So like now there's this. There was this little like. Wait, wait. So when you reached out to Hannibal, you were just like, "We'll just give you the door." Yeah, I gave him the whole door, and this is what it costs, and this is how many people will probably come. Because mm-hmm. you think people are, are going to come. Yeah, and I mean, this was back in the day when it was before, when my name is Hannibal came out. So I think he had just done Ferguson was the only thing he'd done. Right. So he wasn't like huge. It wasn't huge, anything. but he was a dude who like comes about. Yo, you gotta check this dude out. Right. He had all, he already had like he kind of had that hip thing. Yes, he was hip. Yeah, yeah. And so he came out, did that show, and then like I did the same thing with Nikki Glazer. I was like, hey, I, you know. But see, even this is next level thing yeah. where you're like, somebody's just reaching out to these people. Yeah, these people just want to perform and they want it to be worth their while. Mm-hmm. It's like Paul F. Tompkins' three hundred thing. He's like, yeah. I'll go anywhere if three hundred people, people come. Yeah. And it was and around. You, the, it was literally around the same time. Was, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was around the same time that was happening. And could you get three hundred people for Hannibal? No. It, well, in that venue, Redstone was so small. The room was like fifty to like. If I re- went in and like really like cared and rearranged <laughs> shit, yeah, I could fit a hundred people in that room. Uh huh. So he did. I think it was like a hundred fifty people total between two shows. Okay. And then next time he came, he was at the rock venue. And then every time he comes, he just hermit crabs into something bigger. <laughs> um, my favorite time is he came. I think this was like. Three or four years ago, maybe he was. I was in Kentucky. Uh, I think it was in Virginia doing my first college, and then like I saw in Buffalo, it was like Hannibal Funches, Marcelo Arguello. They were all up there, so I was like maybe I'll be irresponsible, just drive to Buffalo, hang on my friends. Mm. So I texted him. I texted him. He was like, "Nah." He's like, "I might want to do a show in Cleveland tomorrow," and I had fallen asleep, and I woke up at like four in the morning, and I saw that, and I'm like, "Oh, all right." So I like get in my car, start driving. And then I'm sending texts. I'm like, hey, let's try to find Wait, a from where? From Virginia. Like, <laughs> he was in Buffalo. He's like, I think I might want to do a show in Cleveland tomorrow. So I'm like, start driving. I start messaging. And there was this venue called the Nash on 80th. It's like an old Slovenian home. And it's in the epicenter where the housing crisis hit. No one goes over there. And the membership is now handfuls of people, right? Mm-hmm. But the there's this young dude who grew up in it who's like trying to save the space and keep it vibrant, whatever. So... I'd done a show there before, so I was like, hey, can we do this there? I know it's last minute. He's like, yeah, okay, we'll make it happen. I'm like, cool. And then he thought I was talking for the next week, so he had to go buy booze. He had to go do shit. And then, like, the group members <laughs> had to, like, do the door, do the bartending, do this, do that. And literally, like, we announced the show at 2, and almost 400 people came out. Whoa. To this part of Cleveland, no one goes to. <laughs> we told everyone to take Ubers and Lyfts, and the drivers were like, where are we going? <laughs> and only two drivers would go pick people up. Really? Yeah. And <laughs> that shit was so fucking... That felt like everything, like what comedy should feel like. Like, mm. everyone's here. We're having a good time. We're vibing. Like, 
Because sometimes I feel like you go to a club, they're like, oh, this is fun, but like, get out. We have another show. Right. You know, like, there's no, it doesn't feel like a community. It just feels like cons- consumption. Yeah. yeah Which yeah. is fine. But it's like that, you know, th- those shows in Cleveland make me feel like there's something, everything's building towards something. I don't know yeah. what it is. Yeah. But like, I was just morning meltdown. We drove past meltdown Val and I, and we were like, "Yeah, man, yeah," because there was the hang built in, mm-hmm. and there was no show behind it. No, so you could just stay there all night. Yeah, would be there. They closed the comic book store. It was awesome. Yeah, it was the best. Yeah, man. So I know. So you went into this like desolate area uh-huh. and did a show. Four hundred people came. Yeah, I love this. Yeah, so it's just like, and then slowly over the years, just like would started reaching out to people, and then agents and managers started reaching out to me. And I'm like, oh, this is cool, but I just didn't realize for until to I, rep you. No, 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 to book to book their people. So when <laughs> so what's super As a booker. what's super funny is when I did my half hour, people were like, Ramon Rivas, he's a talent buyer. Wow. So it was a good thing they knew my name, but it was a bad thing because of the context. Yeah, but you weren't worried about that, which no, is no, good. No, no, no. I still don't worry. Like, I had a, a manager for like a year, but I don't. I left. Like, now I'm just back solo, like DIYing it. Yeah. And it feels fine. DIYing um, and it feels so fine. You said fine. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, you could tell I just know the, the you know, the tone of it. <laughs> No, you got the lyrics right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the idea that like some people, again, a mental hurdle to get over is, and I've heard comics say this, I would produce shows, but I don't want to be known as a producer. Mm-hmm. I just had to, I had, I did it so I could perform more, like selfishly yeah. selfless, and then I was good at it Yeah, because I'm like, I, it's a little, it's very, uh, it's a lot of stress and anxiety dealing with people's egos and expectations and desires for things they're not ready for, like... Keep Did things tracking go wrong? people, like all these things. No, uh, kind of just like I, as my social position changed in Cleveland, like I'm still broke living with my family, but suddenly people are like, Ramon's here. I got to try to impress him. Right. Because I run these open mics or work at these. You know what I'm saying? I've been like, at the Laugh Factory with Marin and everyone's just trying to get on. Yeah. And it's WTO. just a weird, like, <clears throat> oh, so like I would just kind of like, be in my phone or like go to mics, be in my phone or talk Coke to my machine. friends and then leave. Yeah. But now people are like, oh, Ramon just leaves during my set or like, oh, he's not talking to me. And I'm like, oh, you're people are putting shit on my actions and inactions hmm. that I'm I'm completely unaware of. Mm-hmm. So like again, I'm unaware of those dynamics for a while. Um but, but slowly it but does slowly, change how people look does, at you. It does change how people look at you and it just gives you a weird like I didn't realize that I was becoming an upperclassman. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. As far as like I had like the like I said, like Dalton and Polk and Twos when I started were those dudes. And then suddenly I was with those dudes, even right. though I still felt right. the gap. Right. And felt very much like where I'm I'm still borrowing cars to get out here for shows. Right. I'm still doing We all still the, have the shows. I still had the shows. Who's, Who's yeah. opening for Hannibal with the 400 people? Um, that was me and he, uh, Yusuf Ali. Selflessly, uh, selfish. Yeah. And I point that out because that's right. Yeah. We did that on Crashing where Pete does a benefit for Artie and he's like, and I can host. Yeah. And like somebody calls him, oh, Artie calls me out, my character. And he's like, oh, you want to do a benefit so you can get into the club that you can't play? Yeah. He's like, yeah. yeah. And you still get the money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Or oh, it was for Wayne. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's an essential 
part, selfless, selfish, selflessly selfish is essential. I love yeah, it. Yeah, man. So keep going. Um, and then just kind of kept doing that. So like, um, it's slowly. I was running other shows and some some starts got to the point where I had like five or six venues that were like consistent, different sides of town, different vibes, and then I had a music and arts festival music arts and technology festival asked if i would do a comedy stage <laughs> so i curated a comedy stage at it and it was like under a bridge uh like half a mile from hilarities right <laughs> under and, a bridge under a bridge and so that first year i had like a bunch of friends like the lucas brothers came out lisa drew michael a bunch of people who like did shit like al ja- i think al jackson and mike palosack were like my headliners quote-unquote mm-hmm. And then the next year I was doing that again. People came to the bridge? People came to the bridge. Like it was just like it was like a, a bunch of people walking under the bridge and then we had like a side space that was like a stage. So like people would like trickle in. I programmed every every block was like a forty five to fifty minute block and then it'd be a ten minute turnover and then the next thing would start. Wow. So that way it was just like easy to like sit, consume a little and keep going. Sure. You know, because there's no like ticketing, whatever. Right. So the next year I'm doing that again, and I randomly, the week leading up to it, I had Kinane booked at the Little Redstone. Chicago. I had Neil Hamburger booked at Grog Shop, Mm. and I was like, oh, if I fill these gaps in, that's kind of an accidental comedy festival. (laughs) And so that was the first official year of Accidental Comedy Fest, and it was, at the time, it was like all over Cleveland, all these different venues, all these different vibes. And then uh, after a few years, I put it all in one venue, uh, this bowling alley, hipster bowling alley called May Halls that had three stages. And then the last two years, it's been at Hilarities. Wow. So it's gotten to, it got the up to club the club where you used to hang out. The, yeah. And, and it, that's a half mile machine on half mile from the bridge. Yep. You know, like, <laughs> um, you know, this is 30 minutes <laughs> For thirty minutes walking, yeah. From that's too long. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. We're very close to the bridge. Close I used to, to do bridge. this, yeah. <laughs> and so it's cool. It's really cool, but it's also changed the context of it because it always used to be this thing that I just did because I love Cleveland and I love comedy. What's happening here? And this event is a clarion called a look. What's happening here? Right. And it would bring all these people who I'd meet when I would go to Chicago or go to New York or go to L.A. These people I met in my travels who I would trick into coming to cleveland for lack of a better phrasing because it's just like most people's preconception of cleveland is like what that sad place right and people would come and uh, just have these have good experiences and like i literally have an endearment for cleveland well you did that to me yeah i mean i feel is that what happened because when you work there i i i don't have a job so i'd be like oh do you want to go eat do you want to go to the museum do you want to do that yeah i I just make myself available and not everyone does yeah but the people who are like yeah i don't want to sit in my hotel room bored right Right. they're like oh cleveland's kind of cleveland kind of cool right but then i did one of your things yeah didn't i did the, the grog shop the rock venue yes and it was great yeah real fun you brought you brought thayer Yeah, 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 yeah. I remember that show. That was yeah, a good show. Little Thayer. What? Why do I feel like Bill Burr was there? Uh, oh, no, that's a different show. I don't think he was there. He was there. <laughs> Can you? Would you just let him in the house? My dog, man. When you have a baby, your dog freaks out. It's like, wait, that was my love. <laughs> <laughs> You're just gonna give this thing that's smaller than me that I can eat. The love I was getting? <laughs> it's like, you know I could eat this baby, right? He's, oh, my goodness. He could. 
He could. Yeah. Wait a minute. <laughs> <He's> <laughs> Don't su- let him in the house. He's such a good boy, but he barks so much. Yeah. You ever thought me. of a shock collar? Oh, man. Because imagine for me? It, no for the dog, but <laughs> also imagine for you if people were like Pete, we don't like how loud you get sometimes. So we're I get a shot you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're not doing any shock callers. I, I'm just going to continue my strategy of just being very annoyed when he nice. barks. That's good. That's how I do. He'll it. pick up on that. So leprechaun in your pocket. Yes. Do you remember? Oh, uh, who I like more, my mom or my dad? <laughs> <laughs> um. Well, I just I think we just got like a, a wonderful master class in comedy, yeah. and figuring that out. Mm-hmm. Well, although I didn't get how you did your first college because you just sort of threw that in there. Oh, uh, I had. How did I get that? I think someone recommended me to them. They liked my clip. They put me on their website. I booked this college. I went and did the NACA with them. I did well at the NACA. I booked one school, and they were like, "We'll submit you for all the other ones." And then I. Checked back with them. I was like, do you need stuff from me for these? They're due next week. They're like, oh, no one talked to you? Like, we're only doing nationals now. And I'm like, oh, that would have been cool if someone told me so I could have, like, made plans. Oh, um, and so I was – I'm very petty. So I just was like, well, I'm not going to do that college with you. <laughs> um, and um, so I that, that was literally the only college I've done. Oh, really? Um, yeah, for, like, actual, like, legitimate, like – did it, it did never bite you in the butt just kind of being brazen and, like – cold calling people or um there was no downside to it i don't know maybe maybe like this dude's <laughs> annoying um but I, uh well i was even struck i was like this dude isn't annoying you know what's funny is all it takes is chris thayer saying no he's cool isn't yeah. that weird yeah yeah no he's a no, cool the guy co- the co- and then i meet you and you don't freak me out yeah and yeah. then so like and then it's weird to like have being on both sides being a producer and being a comedian I know when I book shit, I book people I think are funny. Yeah. People I like being around, people I want to see more of. Yeah. People who are around or people who reach out. Those right. are literally the only ways to get booked. Right. <laughs> and you I can't control someone thinking I'm funny. I can't control someone wanting to see, you know, I can be around and I can reach out. Right. That's all that's in my hands. Control what you can control. Yeah. Right. And so, like that, knowing that, I think helped me as I navigate things to not take things personally, right. because I know it's never personal. Like it's literally like I have my Rolodex. Like the most important thing when I'm producing a show is the show being good, the show being worth people taking their time, coming, right, parking, coming in, sitting down. Even if the show's free, they've paid something. Their time, so it needs to be worth it, right. And a lot of people don't understand that they're like, well, I'm I'm trying to do comedy. Why can't I do that? And it's like, well, because you're not consistent yet. <laughs> or like, you know, if you're here and I've booked a good show and there's space, I'll give you space to fail in a good show because the show's good enough to if you do bad, right. it won't matter. And if it's good enough to where it will set you up to They do, do that well. at different clubs now exactly. where they'll give the little guest spots yeah. and stuff. I got to do, I got past the cellar on Saturday. Hell yeah. A little guest spot. And it was just, you know what I'm saying? Like, we'll yeah. give five after him. I'm like, okay, cool. And you got passed? I got passed. Yeah, was yeah. that a thrill? Yeah, man. Are you in New York? I bounce. I'm trying to bounce. Like, before I moved here, I would go to New York like three to five times a year. I'd go mm-hmm. to Chicago the same amount. I'd come out here like maybe once or twice a year. Mm-hmm. And then living out here, I don't have the money to go do any of that. 
because it's expensive it to, live here. to live here. Yeah. yeah. In Cleveland, I don't pay rent. I pay my bills, and then I have whatever money I have. I can, oh, let me just get this cheap ticket to New York. Go there. Right. Oh, let me get this ticket to... Where, you know, let's let's address my stereotype about yes. weed making people more complacent. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. that's a stereotype. Okay, yeah, yeah, Let's address it. Okay. Because <laughs> you love the crime. I love weed. You love weed. Mm-hmm. I just don't see it. <laughs> yeah? You know what I mean? This story, based on the, the narrative uh-huh. that's been sold to me, Maybe. Yeah. Maybe, you know. I know with me and weed, if I'm smoking a lot, things tend to fall off the calendar. I might not mm-hmm. book as much for myself. Yeah. Because I don't really feel as sharp as I want to, and mm-hmm. then I don't necessarily feel that dry. You know what it does? is It sort of makes me good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had this joke. I don't really do it. I go, drugs are for losers. And then I go, sorry, the crowd reacts poorly. I go, oh, sorry, I misspoke. Drugs are for everybody, but they're especially for losers, <laughs> right? <laughs> and there is something about anything. It could be cupcakes, mm-hmm. could be weed, could be booze, could be TV. Could be women. Could be women. Mm-hmm. Any, well, at least at least with uh, sex and stuff, there's an activity. <laughs> <laughs> there's something about things that we can do alone yes. that make us feel good. So jerking off. Yes. That uh, that make us feel good, and that those things can sort of overtake your life. So there's this model. It's the Western model. It's the upwardly mobile model. The achiever model. We need to go out. We need to kill mastodons and bring the, the yeah. bodies back and cook them. Uh, and and that gives us a good feeling. Not only does it make us feel safe and fed, but it also kind of makes you feel like you're worthwhile. Quote yeah. unquote. When you have things that just kind of create chemical reactions in your brain, usually reserved for reward systems, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. The, the rat pushes the button and it gets the cheese. Instead, we're just giving the rat cheese. He didn't even push the yeah. button. So you smoke weed and you feel like you did something. You ever yeah. smoke weed and you just – you can't even tell why you're in a good mood? It's just because you're high, yeah. but you didn't do shit. So sometimes that replaces the need to do shit. Yeah. You're so good mm-hmm. that you don't feel the need to do anything. Yeah. And honestly – you know, philosophically speaking, that's true. You are good. You are enough. You don't really have to yeah. do anything. But but there you are doing all this stuff and smoking weed. Can you speak to the the, the story um, of weed in your life? Yeah, I um like my my older cousin who used to live with us for a while. I remember seeing her smoking like uh, at the pool one day, and I was like, oh, she's smoking. And I went to tell my mom, and I was like, I don't want to tell her. <laughs> and then, like a couple of days later, she you were went, always cool. Yeah, yeah. Little Pete uh, would be like, "Smoke, smoke, <laughs> smoke of hell." Um, and then so a couple of days later, we smoked in like the dugout at the park. How old? I was like thirteen, maybe. <laughs> Ramon, and I didn't like it. It tasted like burnt popcorn. I was like, oh, no, yeah, right. So I didn't, I didn't smoke again for like a year or so. And then one of my good friends I would hang out with, who would go over to house like play ping pong and dumb shit, like play video games. His, we'd go over there, and his mom was like the fun mom who would always never be there. Um, <laughs> it's not so much that she's fun as that she she's absent. absent. Yeah. Um, fun meaning like unlocked booze cabinet. So <laughs> we would be sitting there like drinking her whiskey, whatever. And then he started smoking, so like we just added smoking to the thing. While you um, played video games. While we played video games. So start smoking weed then. And then just kind of done. And that did, let's just go at my squareness yeah, yeah, yeah. head on. Yeah. One of my concerns, one of my like young Republican uh-huh. like, <laughs> model United Nations concerns is that you would smoke weed and then your life would just be like just about getting weed. Because like if yeah, you gave 14-year-old no, definitely... Pete weed, I'd be like, 
fuck achieving. Yeah. I'd be like, I mean, put I, on I, yeah, I mean, I definitely did have those. I mean, looking back, you have those periods where you're like hitting people up. You barely talk to like, Hey, you know where I can get some weed? Um, <laughs> but that's a, uh, yeah, that, so like it was that. And like, I remember like smoking weed with people who would also like, <laughs> the only danger I ever felt to weed was its proximity to other illegal drugs. Uh-huh. Meaning, like me going to buy weed from my buddy who sells weed, who also happens to like, oh, now I'm selling coke, right? And I have a gun because I'm selling coke. I'm like, all right, cool. Well, I'm gonna go find someone else to buy weed from, right? Uh, but also, like, oh, well, never mind. I can't get a hold of that other guy. You still, <laughs> you still got uh... some. Um, and so, like, uh, but enjoyed it. <laughs> like, it liked how it made me feel. It didn't like drinking alcohol. I never liked drinking alcohol because I would lose my sense of self. Mm. And I'm a big person, so a big person losing their sense of self is kind of a dangerous notion. Yeah, I understand. And I've been told that too. Yeah, and especially as like especially as like a big brown man, because mm-hmm. sometimes people are like, oh, this dude's being aggressive. It's like, oh no, I'm just stumbling around. Right. Um, I don't realize how close I am to your face. Yes. Right. And so, um, but weed, I never had that. Weed would just kind of like chill me out it would keep me from overthinking things really like yeah yeah yeah. just kind of like because not that i had looking back i probably had anxiety but it's just like i always leaned into humor as like a connected method because i was never handsome i was never popular i was never athletic i was never the, i was never the thing i was never the things that <laughs> I throw like, you a baseball yeah you catch it come on yeah. man you're all of uh, those things <laughs> oh, i just need to let my hair down um <laughs> And so c- comedy was connective. Yes, that's like bust, I'd bust people's balls before they could bust mine. Yep. I would try, you know, that's just a defensive slash coping thing. Right. And the then, episode of Punky Brewster where she has the heavy friend and she's always yeah, making fun of how yeah. fat she is before uh, they can. <laughs> Lesson learned. Lesson learned. Cut to fat Pete watching. Bum, bum, bum. Crying. And so looking back, I can realize that I kind of used <laughs> weed in the. Like if if I feel like if I were if my family were the type of people who like cared about their mental health, mm. I would have been in gone to like therapy in high school right. as my parents were getting divorced and all this shit was happening. Right, and then they would have been like, "You should probably be on like Wellbutrin or some other weird shit like that." Right, and instead I just like smoked weed and stopped caring. Right, uh, which is that is bad. Right, you know, to but first- you did what you. Do you, you don't regret it. I mean, you, I know, I you don't survived. It. So what I feel like it did is it made me realize the things I didn't want to do. Mm. Like when you get high, you're like, I don't want to go do a show. I just want to sit here and hang out with my wife and baby. Right. I'm, I want to do this. And it made me realize, like started making me realize things I didn't want to do. So, okay, I don't That was want, me, by the way. You don't yeah. have a wife or a baby. <laughs> um, it made me not like, okay, I don't. I see how hard my parents were working to be right there or where they are. I don't want to do that. I see this. I don't want to do that. I see this. And I still don't know what I want to do. I still have no confidence. You mean Ramon right Ramon, now? Ramon. No, no. I'm talking then. back then. then. Hell yeah. I wasn't confident for the first time until I got back from that summer in Chicago. Okay. And I wasn't aware I was confident. I was just suddenly good at the thing that I wanted right. to do. You put on your old pants and they're tight. Yes. Like, what? Actually, they were my dad's pants. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I was the same size as my dad in like fifth grade. So you just rock his pants. Just rock his pants. Um, and but confidence will sneak up on you. Confidence but weed, that's interesting. Weed helped you get in touch with what you didn't want to do. Yeah. It helped you find an authentic yeah. part of you. Yes. It was like, no. And God kept the, you know, 
I, I feel like my emotional frequency is definitely smaller on weed. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But it keeps me from getting super low. It keeps me from getting like super, like even like passing the cellar was super cool, but I'm not letting that define me. Like that's, that's not, I'm not happy because I like, I'm like, that's a cool thing. Like I, all the work I've done to this point gave me that opportunity and i was ready for it yeah that's how i feel so i'm happy with that right but i'm not sitting over here like stunting on people like walking on air like yeah right that's not i don't know if i understand it keeps you in a tight frame it keeps me in a tight frame yeah and which is good and bad that tight frame is great when things are not going well but when you're in like a relationship or anything that when you need more Right. Um, oh, shit. It kind of helps you be the Coke machine that you've been. Yes. Simpler. Keeps, keeps me humming. Keeps you humming. Yeah. That's not hum. That's an exhale. Mm-hmm. <laughs> A long, yeah. hummy exhale. Yeah. That makes sense. So what is your relationship with it now? You I, go on stage, don't I, I, go on, I, smoke, I smoked a uh, blunt like... A half hour before I take my Comedy Central special, uh, so it never goes sideways. Never goes. I, it I, never goes like. Oh, no, oh, no. no, man. <laughs> That's the thing. Like I've never had those weird where people are like, oh, I ate too many edibles. I ate too many edibles one time, <laughs> and it led to me like I was in New York with my buddy. <laughs> You're like, I got a degree in refrigeration repair. <laughs> <laughs> no, I it was with my buddy in New York, and we left the show, and we got back to his crib, and we got let out. By the bodega around the corner from him, and I got out the car, and I was just like, Ooh. I said bye to the person we were split the car with, and start walking, and I just throw up right in front of the overnight window, <laughs> and then I'm like, ah, oh, I just take a couple steps, and I throw up right in front of their door, and then I just go and just lay down at my friend, and my friend, you like block the entrance, yeah, basically. and so the the. You go Seven Eleven, bitch, <laughs> and the, wor- the worker was like, oh, "What the fuck?" So my friend Kenny went and grabbed like a mop and was gonna like clean it up. And the dude's like, "No, you're good." And me doing that, like throwing up in front of his thing, and Kenny going to clean it up. Kenny going to clean it up showed that that bodega owner that he was cool and a neighborhood dude. So he started getting like he would go get a beer for like a dollar seventy five before, and now it was a dollar twenty five. <laughs> so he's getting like neighborhood love now. <laughs> Because I ate too many edibles, <laughs> so it's only so ever it's, done good for it's you. It's only ever done good for those around me. Um, but so, yeah, like my website is blazerramon dot com. Yeah, like I uh, uh, I was on that cooking on high show on Netflix. That's like cook chefs making food with weed in it, and I got to paid to eat weed sandwiches, uh-huh. and I love sandwiches. So it's just like yeah, okay. Um, and so it's very much entwined and like sometimes that might cost me opportunities because it's just like, oh, we, he's funny, but like, we can't bring, that might be why I didn't do colleges because the weed stuff, the weed stuff. I don't know if, is Doug big in, like Doug Benson big in colleges? I don't know. I have no idea. You do have a market now. I do have a market. Now I have been getting like in cannabis industry, like gig offers for like, yeah stacks of money yeah. and i'm like okay and then all of them fall through really it's not the most oh, man. Uh, it's not the most responsible industry <laughs> um but you know it's one of those things that like i'm i never want to i don't want someone to be surprised i smoke weed like <gasps> right well i had no no, no i smoke weed there's nothing you wrong with did it Chappelle white guy yeah, voice. yeah. Oh, oh no yeah it's I like i just you know I, I smoke weed, man. That's that's that you should, don't be surprised. And when did my, you have taken mushrooms? I have taken mushrooms, and that was good for you too. Uh, it was real fun. Like uh, this was like 2013 ish. I got into mushrooms, uh, and it 
it, I used to do this thing called Mushroom Mondays, where I would like take mushrooms and then just walk around and take pictures of shit and hashtag it with Mushroom Mondays, <laughs> which is weird. But then that's an existing hashtag that regular people just post actual mushrooms, like that they're cooking with. Yeah, or just like in nature and shit. And so, like someone someone commented on my picture, like, "Where's the mushrooms in this picture? I don't see any mushrooms." It's like they're in my bloodstream. Uh, that's funny because. I've thought about like, oh, it would be interesting to do a podcast on mushrooms. But whenever I've been on them, I'm like the thought of something that you would like post on the internet mm-hmm. or record yeah. doesn't seem to make much sense. Yeah. But you got around that. My main, my main, I would, the thing I realized with mushrooms is you d- don't have anything you need to do. Yeah. But have things you can do. <laughs> so I, my most enjoyable times doing mushrooms were like. <laughs> Nothing you need to do. But things you, you can. can do. So like I, yeah, Val and I will put out like cray paws and paints and stuff. <laughs> we, we tend to not do it. Yeah, it's I, been a long time. I that. just like music and yeah. wandering is my favorite. Really? Because I just put the music on shuffle and then I'm wandering and then sometimes like like the first time I did it, I like walked. I walked real far, but I walked from my house all the way to the beach. I'm sitting at the beach and it's winter, so it's cold. I'm like <laughs> bundled up and. <laughs> The water's whipping, the clouds are moving, and then the city's like growing and shrinking. (laughs) And the music that's playing all feels like could do like this song by this rapper, uh, Mikey Rocks from the Cool Kids came on as I was looking at a bunch of rocks. Mm. Like, just like very, like, oh, all these things seem kind of connected even though it's on mm. shuffle mm-hmm. it, it, something's happening no oh, yeah sure probably just because i was on mushrooms making those connections but it's hard to know it's that feeling yeah. of like is this because i'm on mushrooms or is this yeah, always amazing? that's how serendipity feels most of the time all the time and um and then uh the i was on the phone this morning by the way so i'm working on a book i was on the phone with the legal department do you have a good title yet it's it's called um, selflessly selfish. Nice. All right, I got thirty percent <laughs> mental equity in that too. <laughs> it's called comedy, sex, God, because nice. those are the things I care about. Or you know, honestly, it's kind of what I used to care about. What if I mean, I, I still care about the comedy, things. comma, sex hyphen God. There should be like, but it's um, just like comedy, sex, sex God? God. Okay, I got you. <laughs> I plan on every interview that I do about the book being explaining that I'm not calling myself a comedy sex God. <laughs> But that's the life I've chosen. Yeah, yeah. If that's how you read it. <clears throat> yeah. Huh? You can't help people's perception. That's there. true. Let it go. Mm-hmm. Not personal. So I was scrolling through the book, and I'm looking for quotes for the legal department. I'm like, you got to clear this, or we got to try and clear that. And I'm reading the book as I'm going, you know, skimming it. And I read the, the words. I'm talking about Maui. And I say, Maui looks like level one, one of Mario Brothers. Mm. I, I read it. Yeah. I'm on the phone with the person. I got my earphones on, because that's how I keep my hands free. And I read it, and I don't say anything, obviously. That would be a stupid story if I said it, but I yeah. read it. And like 30 seconds later, she's on the other line, another city. She goes, <laughs> and I'm like, this is a professional phone call. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I read Mario Brothers, and then she whistles the theme song mm. from Mario Brothers. Yeah. And I'm like, that's crazy. And she was like, yeah, you know, I just saw a star, and it made me think of that game. And I was like, what are the chances yeah. that we both had that at the same time? Man, either you like that stuff or you hate it. Yeah. And I don't care either way, but I love it. Nice. <laughs> so mushrooms, serendipity, make them crazy. Did did you have like deep experiences or were they? I don't, um, that's a leading question. I'm uh, just curious. It, 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 it always feels like I'm defragging my 
subconscious. I loved that's perfect. So like, like a computer, like a defect. computer, like all the shit spread all over the place, and it's not a, we're it just doing mushrooms. Like that's, that's what, what I tell Rogan people. Says. Like if you're avoiding something, yeah, the mushrooms is gonna make you deal with it, but then you'll be fine afterwards. But that might make you have a bad trip because you've been avoiding this because you don't want to deal with it because it's bad. That's right. Um, but I usually. I wear my sadnesses on me, so it's pretty like I'm not running from things. So it was just kind of like, like the, I remember the that one trip where I went to the beach and the city was shrinking and thin. I remember seeing a lot of signs that said west, but were pointing east. Hmm. Right? <laughs> and just a lot of that type of thing, where it's just like cities growing and shrinking mm-hmm. is like, uh, you know, and then looking at shit since then. It's like Cleveland has grown and shrunk like it grew when LeBron came back and it shrunk in regards to people when he left again, mm. even though all the ingredients and shit are still there. Right. It's still um, a place. Uh, I went west eventually, but I stayed in Cleveland and did a lot of New York. Mm. And then doing that got me comics to watch, got me my Comedy Central special. And then I wound up in L.A. for mm-hmm. t- a couple of years. Mm-hmm. So it's like. That trip was telling me things, but I wasn't re- right. I wasn't in the spot. Yeah, the trip like, was ahead of you. Yes. <laughs> um, and then other times I've done it like, um, like I did it at Pitchfork Music Festival in Chicago one time, and that was intense. Chicago. It's just a lot of people around, so you're like picking up people's energy and shit. Oh, and for I real. kept, I kept, I was getting real paranoid because I'm like, yo, we can't use our phones. Hmm. This motherfucking. Your phones are in bags. No, like just there's no service. Because like, too many people. Too many people, no service. Fucking, I kept hearing helicopters. Like I'm like, yo, this is a police sting, like a DA sting, because we're doing drugs in the middle of <laughs> in the middle of a public park. Right. And I'm like, yo, this is a sting. We gotta go. And I literally kept trying to leave, <laughs> and they would have to send random people to go get me and bring me back. Uh, <laughs> but that's also because Killer Mike was on stage being super super paranoid. Because that's what his music about. Like, don't fuck the government. Don't trust. It. It's just like, oh, that's why Netflix killer Mike. Netflix I'm killer Mike. Yeah, <laughs> I'm yeah. just kidding. That's um, a killer Mike nightmare, right yeah. there. And someone's like, the guy from Netflix. Yeah, uh, maybe it's not. Mm-hmm. Um, so you you did get a little paranoid on mushrooms a couple that, times. That yeah. makes a couple times. Yeah, the other time, but well, only only when I do it around people who are expecting me to not be on mushrooms. That's um, a good rule for life. <laughs> you just will have like, more success. Because the first time I did it around people is I was going to my friend's Super Bowl party. So it was around the same time like years ago. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I got these mushrooms. Let me do them. Poop. Because I'm like, I'm going to be around people who I know are funny. And it's not going to be bad energy. Mm-hmm. And then one of my friends was there and uh, the two of basement. They're like, what's going on with you? I'm just, I'm just high on mushrooms. They're like, what's... You need to like. I'm worried about you, like doing all these drugs. I'm like, oh my, yeah, no, I'm just doing mushrooms, man. I'm not doing nothing crazy. And I was like, here's this weed you wanted me to get you. Hilarious, <laughs> um, hilarious. But yeah, it's uh, it, it, and then I honestly like I did a couple more times after that, and I haven't done it in like three years. I. It's funny you do somewhat remind me of Ron, and not just because you have the same. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you guys both do that. I was at a party with Ron, and somebody just handed him some mushrooms, and he just ate them. And I've never been more impressed with somebody yeah. in my life. <laughs> but there's some dudes, and you seem like one of these dudes that are just maybe the frame is small mm-hmm. in that good way, where it's like, yeah, they're going to be fine. Yeah. And then they're like, you would never give Woody Allen 
No. Mushrooms. No. <laughs> what do you mean? You'd be like, bye. Yeah. You'd be like, I think I just killed a guy. Yeah. But you seem like, it's. It, I really mean it as a high compliment. Thanks, man. Like a steady guy. Not, you got your shit worked out enough that there aren't that many dark corners. Yeah. You know yourself. Yeah. You're calm. It's beautiful. Yeah. What do you think is, um, you? <clears throat> I was hoping all my cards on the table that the mushrooms would lead to some profound thought that would be about the universe. Mm. But without that, okay. we always talk about that. Yeah. Do you have any feelings about the nature of reality? Man. Um, <laughs> Do you have a story you tell yourself where you raised in a certain belief? Or what no, story do you tell yourself um, now? Uh, as far as like religion context? Just like, what, or like belief context or what? You can go religion. Religion is a great entryway into it because it might be a little too broad to just be like, what's going on? I guess we could say like, is there a design here? Um Okay, is there, will, is there a purpose? I don't think there's a design, but I do think everything is connected. Mm. Like looking back, like I can, you know, looking back at my childhood and how the city was vibrant and alive, and my fam, my ex- big family was all kind of close. We had a lot of parties, we had a lot of intimacy, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then everything started like fragmenting, and a lot of people got divorced, whatever, what have you. And looking back at it, I can see big picture wise now the era that shit started getting shaky is when like NAFTA passed, hmm. and that's when all the auto industry started leaving, all the production shit started leaving. So now you're stressed out at your job because you don't know if you're going to get to keep it. Right. So you're coming home and you're not wanting to be stressed out around your family. So all right, I'm gonna go out and shoot pool, and now you're just a, a good man but a shitty dude out there shooting pool putting yourself in a position to make bad choices i see and then my mom is like you know what i'm saying like i see all the factors yeah. that led to now things are happening in the home you see the dominoes yes yep. but as a kid i don't see any of that shit right but now looking back i could see how all oh, that's it's like you looking that, back on your that, mushroom trip yeah yeah so you know even with comedy i see a lot of that the past affecting the present or the past giving you clues to the present, right. or how cyclical things are. I remember talk about Rob Bell again. He was talking about Me Too being mm-hmm. like a natural. Of course, it's happening now, and he was tying it to Donald Trump and the grab a pussy thing. Yeah, and he was like, "Well, we can't get him, so you got anybody. We're going to get ourselves. Yeah, we're yeah. going to not get. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. we can't help that. We can't stop that. Mm-hmm. Let's help this. Let's yeah. stop." each other let's yeah. put, you know what i mean i don't mean stop i'm trying yeah. to say it it's a beautiful thing let's repair each other let's repair because each because i feel like it. a lot of like i i've realized like i've never like seeing my dad how my dad was with women and mm. seeing like the father of my sister's kid like ha- sister's three kids has three kids that are the same ages as my sister's kids that with a girl who's a year younger than me i don't know that sounded like so many bilbo bag and it's a lot of things so like he was my sister's my sister was a senior when i was a freshman Uh uh-huh he was also a senior Uh uh-huh she graduated he failed he's Mm -hmm. now a fifth year senior i'm a sophomore he starts hooking up with a freshman and we're all like hey he's yeah and she's like no he says not and my sister gets pregnant Mm. the other girl gets pregnant Mm. baby baby and they do that two more times each. Oh, my God. So, like, seeing that, seeing my dad and my mom and seeing all these other relationships saw it made me feel like love and sex were different things. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, my parents still love each other to this day, but they stopped having sex while they were married. 
Hmm. And but my dad didn't stop having sex; just my mom did. Right. <laughs> um, and seeing you know the father of my sister is just a piece of shit. He just wants sex. Right. There's nothing wrong with that, but you use trickery to get it. Right. So growing up, I internalized like, oh, those are the worst things you could do is like deceive a woman or like sell a false bill of goods. Mm. And so like I internalized that as like I only want to have sex with people I care about. Mm-hmm. Because seeing that seems shitty. I get it. Seeing those are then, some good dominoes, though. right? Sometimes and the dominoes like, fall in a good way. Uh, I thought I was super fertile because my dad's one of seventeen kids. My sister had her three kids year young, so I'm mm. like, okay, I'm real fertile. Sex and love are different things. I don't want to blind anybody with love. I don't want anyone to blind me. I already have glasses. I need my vision. <laughs> I only want to have sex with people care about, but everyone I felt that way about didn't feel that way about me. Loved me. So it was all very confusing. That's why I had such bad esteem for myself. Because mm. I'm like, people love me, but not in this way that love is seems to be. Right? Mm-hmm. And so it's just like a weird mindset to have when you feel like being aware of all those things and then having that low regard for myself and only wanting to have sex with people I cared about. Then at 26, I was like, I can change. Uh, just a conscious choice because I was tired of the women I cared about who were like, oh, I don't feel that way about you. And then they complained to me about the assholes they were dating or having sex with. And right. I'm like, I guess I should maybe be more of an asshole right. to like get maybe more success. So then I realized sex and care were different things. And then at 26, I disconnected them myself. Mm. So, yeah. And then so in doing that, now I'm navigating like my dad was. But as a dude who's not in a relationship, so I didn't see anything wrong with it. Mm-hmm. But I was out here just hurting women's feelings because of this small emotional frequency. I don't have a lot of needs or expectations. Which you did, you're saying, to protect yourself. To protect myself. Yeah. I'm doing that to protect myself, and I'm. this is... You and know, then you end up hurting people. Then I wind up hurting people. Right. Hurt people hurt people. Sort yes. Of mm-hmm. So it's like this weird, and that's the thing I think like most people can realize is like, I've accepted care from people I didn't care about. And that realization made me feel very shitty. Hmm. But at the time I'm just like, Oh, that's par for the course. We all just using each other. Hmm. Like I'm of bill withers. Use me up mentality. (laughs) And that's not good for yourself or for people. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like I was talking to, I met this girl in New York and we're talking, I forget how it came up, but she pretty much, she said she feels like a, she said she feels like a styrofoam cup, mm. right? Just like disposable, whatever. And I'm like, oh, well, like cups are important. Like you need water. Put like dirt in the seat. You know what I'm saying? You can start something. <laughs> and then we, we kept, project. Yeah. And then we kept talking and she was talking about how like everyone in the bar like pretends they have money they don't have. She's like, I'm broke, whatever. And I'm like, oh, how do you, I don't want to assume you're single, but how do you navigate being single and broke? Because me, it not being able to do the financial things to make someone care about them makes them feel like I don't care about them. Mm. Right. And so from the other side, like, how do you feel? And she's like, Oh, and we start talking and I'm like, yeah, it's really hard when you feel like you're a styrofoam cup and you're broke financially to real, to have anyone treat you like your glass and shouldn't be broken or cast around. Right. If you don't feel like your glass, I'm not going to be able to do anything to make you feel like not financially. Just anything in general. Yeah. Like oh, if you I feel see. like yeah, a yeah. styrofoam cup, That's, no matter how I treat you, you're yeah. going to feel like a styrofoam cup. Right. And so it's it's me being able to realize, oh, I need to figure out how you regard yourself mm. so that if I'm 
having this low regard for myself i'm not treating you that same way yeah and it's a really weird uh that's interesting how you view yourself changes how you treat other people yeah right yeah so and expect to be treated mm-hmm. yeah yeah so that's, that's been uh that's been the whole last year is like analyzing that type of shit but are you tr- how are you reconciling you had the sex with people i care about then you went through the time of like i'm gonna separate those things mm-hmm. where are you now uh, I'm trying to reconnect them. Like, it's still hard, you know, even looking back, like, most of the... I was just a very, like, promiscuous, like, slutty person. Because mm-hmm. as soon as I started getting any interest, I was like, oh, this is great. Mm-hmm. And I now am trying... Now I just communicate more. Like, where before I'd be like, yo, I'm not really looking for anything, like, but we can make out rub butts. And they'd be like, oh, that's fine. <laughs> with our butts? We'll make out and rub butts. Oh, you know I thought you said make out with our butts. With our butts, too. Put um, lipstick on our butts. And so, like, I'm setting that as, like, yo, this is the peak of what I can do. Mm. And a lot of times, the other person would be like, oh, that's great, because they're viewing it as a starting point right, to build upon. Right. But I never felt like I had the equity just because I connect finances to emo- like that. I feel like that's a poverty mindset thing. Oh, that's interesting. You literally mean equity. Yes. I thought I you meant like emotional, emotional equity. Well, emotional <laughs> equity and financial equity are money. connected for me. Yeah. Because it's like a lot of times I like I had a girl who we were seeing each other for a while and she's like, you don't care about me. I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, we don't go to the eat. We don't go to the movies. Like you just come over, have sex. We hang out. We watch it. And you go home right and from my perspective i'm like oh shit like if i don't really have a lot of money like when when i take people to movies or dinner i usually take my nephews and niece because their dad's a piece of shit right and so i'm not taking you but we're eating together and i'm cooking you know what i'm saying like we're watching things we're spending time together but i'm not spending money i'm not doing the things that you think are that you process as care right it's going back to proximity-based care when i'm with my family who i love I care about them. When I'm with them, we eat together, we watch things, and we barely talk. <laughs> That's care to me. Right. So if we're doing all those things and the sex is good, I'm crushing this care shit. Right. But care is different for everybody. But it's, everybody. But it's also different for everybody in that it's not always money for everyone. And it's not always money. It's not but, always intimacy. It's not always sex. Like That's why like I ha- I've had a lot of conversations over the last year. But- I get that the way that it's been sold to us, it's a lot. Mm-hmm. The story is often said like, you like somebody – Buy him a drink, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. buy him dinner, mm-hmm. and buy him gifts, yeah. or whatever. But really, it's more like time and tension. For some people, yeah. some people it is gifts. Yeah, you know. But I mean, like you could cook somebody. I'm not giving you advice. Yeah, I'm just yeah, saying, yeah. cooking dinner helps a lot. Could yeah, like those, those sorts way of things. different. Yeah, but some people don't even give a shit about that. No. For you, you're saying for you, it's just being together. Just being together, being right. around each other. And like not making demands on each other mm-hmm. too is, is yeah. really nice. And so like there's people like that, obviously. There's, yeah. There's, and there's, it's just hard it's hard to find I I don't know if it's because of what I do or how I do it, but because I am so vagabondy, transient, pick up, go to New York, pick up, go to LA, pick up, go to Chicago. Right. Even when I was living in Cleveland, I was not really living in Cleveland. Right. You know. And so it uh, it does feel very hard to when I don't feel I don't feel like I'm anything. I don't you know, uh when I was before I was twenty six I was fat, broke, brown, living with my family, and after twenty six I was all those same things, except now I'm a confident comedian. <laughs> that's the only thing that's different. So my social position to myself is exactly the same. Interesting. But the social position to other people is now up. But you didn't upgrade yourself? No. 
I'm still feeling how I always felt. Hmm. <laughs> so it's a weird thing to, you know, they say you have to love yourself before you can love anyone else. Yeah. Uh, but I've never, I feel like the, the way most, I feel like men, I don't, I don't even think it's only men. I feel like this is a genderless thing, but I'm a, I'm of a position. My intimacy scale is that I do not need to care about you to have sex with you. Hmm. My intimacy, like I've noticed that in the queer community, like my buddy Ian Abrey, a very funny comic out of Atlanta, him and his husband have been together for like 19 years. And he told me the story. Like he's like, we hooked up the first day we met and I didn't know his name for three days. Wow, and I've seen that in other aspects yeah. before. No, people have different different it's values, values, and intimacy scale. Yeah. And like, I don't think that's just a queer thing. I don't think whatever. But I, if I had to identify, like, I have the intimacy scale of a queer man, but I'm attracted to women, <laughs> and I'm trying to, I'm trying to make care a requirement, like a need. Like I keep my needs so low, right, for so I can feel some. But it's funny because it started with a hurt that you incurred. Mm-hmm. So it probably seems like, and this is not advice, I'm just talking it yeah. through with you, that the healing of it would come, like you said, in healing yourself. Yeah. Right? And it's a slow, it's a slow thing to like, because I had my therapist last year when I was seeing a therapist, they were like, what's your favorite thing about yourself? I was like, I don't know. <laughs> and I was like, I know what other people like, but I don't, I don't know. Like even like in uh, what people find attractive about me, there's no consistency to it. Some people, I'm like, I know my physical appearance. I range from awe to ill. Like, I live in that space. And so I just kind of, I don't know what works. Like, some people are like, your voice is real cool. Some people are like, oh, you sound weird. It's varied. And so I don't know what to lean into. You know, like, if you are a person with abs, you know, people want to have sex with you because the abs, so you just do push ups, sit ups every day, you're good. Right, I suppose. I don't know what it is, so I don't know what to like. Yeah, but you do. I do, but I don't. Like, oh, you like it's how so st- I'm able to listen to you? Right. Oh, I mean put let me put that on my bio. Let I me put that on my dating thing, app. Bio. <laughs> I think the beautiful thing is these things do have a tendency to work themselves out. Mm-hmm. You're clearly in the mix. Yeah. You're clearly out there mm-hmm. and you're clearly being yourself. Yeah. That's one of the things that people are attracted to you. Mm-hmm. I just mean interpersonally not yeah. sexually necessarily yeah, yeah. but one of the things that is attractive to you about me is how easy you are to be around thank you and how funny you are thank you and you calm people down i'm like i do feel like a th- all those i feel like i'm a therapy dog yeah you're a therapy i feel dog. like i chill people out that's I right feel like i'm you easy do. to talk to if- but you just keep being your authentic self yeah. but more than just like your benefit for me you feel like a very authentic person so then like what i say to val this is going to be sappy let's just em- embrace it okay i say to valerie all the time Sometimes I'll do something for her, like I'll do the dishes yeah. or something. And she goes, you did the dishes. And I go, I don't try to love you. I just love you. Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I just do the dishes because I know you, baked you in, like you know? it. Yeah. So there's an effortlessness, mm-hmm. uh, effortlessness to love, to, to yeah. me, when it's, for me. When it's real. Some, exactly. Some people have a different model. They're mm-hmm. like, I got to earn it. They look at their relationships like a, a hard workout. <laughs> and they're all after some sort of emotionally loaded sex that yeah. I've never experienced. I don't know that. I know I don't try to love you. I just do love you. And yeah. I got that just by doing what you're doing, which is like figuring out who I am, mm-hmm. representing that authentically. Yeah. And then, like you said, when you started smoking weed, figuring out what it was that I didn't want. Yeah. I got really good. I'm still really good. I can slip into single Pete. Yeah. Sometimes I'll share with Val. I'll be like, she'll be like, you think my friend, blah, blah. 
let's not say it's her friend. Let's yeah. say that girl over there is cute, and I go, I could never date that voice. You know what I mean? Like yeah, I still yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's petty. I feel no. Seinfeld has made a whole generation. Seinfeld of had a monster. She eats her, her. She eats her peas, peas one, one at a time. time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have a good peas one at a time thing, but it, it's not usually a voice. Yeah. It's something like more indicative. I couldn't date those shoes is something I would say. You think those shoes are a good choice? You are not for me. If there's like a, a, a stiletto heel mm-hmm. a Tuesday at the park, it's just not for me. Got you. I want flaps. Got you. Because we might go on that long mushroom that. walk. What did what did <laughs> what did it feel like what did it feel like before you had Val? Because you guys have been together for years. Yeah. And I think you were together when I met you or you met her shortly after I met you. Yeah, that sounds about right. There was a time when I was sort of single but seeing Val long distance. Yeah. Um, and, I, you know, I, I don't know. I, I was single for about a year and a half and in the mix, but I didn't want to date anybody. Sort yeah. of like what you were saying. Yeah. That was like, like my I casual don't like, sex Yeah, period. I'm gone a lot, so like I just, I just can't date. And it was nice. Yeah. It was fine. I thought it was going to be so sleazy. I, yeah. I have all these memories of like laughing and yeah. weird like That's up cool. all nights, smoking cigarettes. And did you? <laughs> you know, like all these like yeah. things that I'm like. Wow, it feels like a different me. Yeah. But it was fun. And that but I always knew I was a relationship guy. And I like you, I Val and I Was it an immediate like, okay, I see this, or did it build? It Because that's always I, what I, I battle with. I, I told Val that I remember the moment when my brain w- shifted mm. from Val is my girlfriend to like Val could be a forever person. Okay. And it felt it felt like the left side of my brain and the right side of my brain swapping places. Like Ooh. it felt like sand in my brain, like wet sand oh, moving. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. I actually felt it the felt shift. like something shifted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cause, and it felt like a realization. I was like, wait a minute. You know what I mean? Yeah. Cause one of the things that was great, I talk about that period where we were dating long distance was I, my heart was hurt by the relationship before that. Okay. And then I was like, well, fuck this. All I ever do is date people for a year and a half. I'm just going to be alone for a year and a half. Mm. And then I started dating Val during that time. But one of the things that put my guard down was the idea that we wouldn't be serious. She lived away from me. Mm-hmm. There was a flight away. Yeah. And I was like, well, we're just friends yeah. or we're, we're sex friends or whatever it might be. We went on dates and stuff. It wasn't yeah. like just transactional. But like, hey, what are we going to do? Fall yeah. in love? Next thing you know, you fall, fall in love. love. <laughs> it was the best. Yeah. And then there was, I tell Val this all the time, there was this one time when I was like, why? I actually wrote a song called Why Did I Have to Go and Fall in Love? It was so cheesy. I was like, so, I'm embarrassed. I, I like saying things I'm embarrassed yeah, by. Yeah, Let's yeah. be embarrassed. I'm yeah. embarrassed that I wrote a song that was that because I was really mad at myself for finding this like unavailable person. It just wasn't a practical yeah. thing. And then it, it, it I, t- I find it. myself that I tend to go for untenable situations. Yeah. Because I know that an actual tenable situation may pull focus and energy from what i'm trying yeah. to do well there's also something to that i met val at a time in my life my talk show was airing i kind of felt like i had ticked that box as much as i want to say like you're good you're complete yeah, yeah. you're all right we're also our personalities our egos our brains our psychology constant with sharks constant motion it's in there and 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 it's okay to honor that mm-hmm. we can be detached and yeah. we can be spiritual and we can be lovely yeah. and know that it's not really about that and we can play the game. And I needed to play the game to a certain level. When yeah. I was married the first time, it was one of the reasons I probably wasn't the uh, the right husband. I was as good as I could be was because I had all these things I still wanted to achieve. Yeah. So especially with our shark people, yeah, there is something to say about like get to that plateau 
and go like, okay, like you said with SimCity, the land is flat enough I can build a great relationship. Yeah. But for me, I wanted to tick certain boxes. Yeah. They weren't have a talk show. It was like I wanted to get on Conan. I wanted mm-hmm. to do this. I wanted to be headlining. I to get a special, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And once I got to that, I had more emotional availability for you, the relationship. I, I also, from my perspective, is you had a lot of stability. I also, financial stability. Dude, I mean, and to check my privilege, like I always had a life where that wasn't like a, a concern. Yeah. That my volatile time, I, I could lean on my parents. Like, yeah. So it was a different experience. But you're absolutely right. Yeah. Um, like having, not worrying about your food and your heat and mm-hmm. your house or whatever it might be does change. Yeah. You, you have, you're balancing a checkbook of your life. And like Forrest Gump says when he gets the letter from Apple, he's like, one less thing to worry about. If you can stop worrying about your money yeah. a little bit, Yes. Yeah. You can have a more casual motherfucking date. Yeah. And I don't just mean like, yes, let's get dessert. Yeah. I mean, you can be there a little bit more. Mm-hmm. My dad, so much of my life was like constantly, and I, I, I love him for it and I resent him for it if that's possible. Like he, he would always be working on some sort of problem. You could tell in his head. He was a hustler. He yeah. was a schemer. Not a bad hustle, not a bad scheme. He was always, I'm going to buy that property, Peter, and I'm going to flip it and all this stuff. So, you know, he wasn't as there when yeah. we were eating a hot dog at Fenway Park or whatever. Yeah. I could tell he was thinking about something. But, you know, he was trying to get to that level. I don't know if he did. I really wanted to get to that level and then graduate and be like, I'm going to stop thinking yeah. about it. Because my dad is fine, and mm-hmm. he's still that way. Yeah, <laughs> He's still got his eye over, over my shoulder thinking yeah. about the next thing. So you got to – no, I'm not going to give advice. I'm just going to no, say – No, it's okay, man. For me, as a, as a member of my species – there is a place that you'll – and you'll know when you get there where yeah. you go, oh, something just loosened. Yeah. And now I my heart is a little bit more here. Yeah. Because comedy is – And I've been, get, I've been getting there. Like I had uh, I had a friend of mine remind me like we were talking about this last year and I put on my vision board last year that I want to experience love and romance, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. And uh, – I'd have to go and fall in love just right? got less cheesy. And, uh, and she said uh, – and she was like, well, I feel love every day. She was like, I love what I do. I love my family. I love my friends. I love this. I love my. Oh yeah, I guess I guess I do have love, and like I've had like small romances over right. the years. Right. So it's like, oh, I need to f- fix that thesis or fix what I'm looking for mm. because like I'm looking for something I already have in abundance, but it's not the right kind. Like I'll be sitting there with my family or my friends, or be sitting there, and I'll still feel lonely. Yeah. Even though I feel fine because I'm proximity around them, there's something still missing. There's like an ingredient. Yeah, there really is another half. The, the reason yeah. they call you your other half. Yeah. I don't want to be cheesy. There is something that happens mm-hmm. where you're like, it's a, it's like a home feeling. Yeah. Lena Dunham wrote in her book, she said it's like the feeling of dropping your keys on your table after a long trip. Mm. I know you can relate to that. Yeah. That's like what a good partner gotcha. can feel like. Obviously, it's like a home feeling. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it, it, I, I have no concern about yeah. Ramon Rivas. No, no. I'm, yeah, I think I'll figure it out. I mean. It's it's interesting. Like I say, I didn't have role models when I was a kid. I had role hazards of like how to like, <laughs> eh, let's not be like that. Let's not be. Um, but it's it's, yeah, it's a very like. You soak up what's around you. Yeah. And it all walks of life. But what I hear through this whole conversation is somebody who's observing and adapting. Yeah. And that is, man, nothing breaks my heart more than when people atrophy mm-hmm. or they just solidify and they stop growing. Because if you can say, okay, I had this pattern of love, and you could even trace it back with therapy or whatever it was mm-hmm. to the trauma that caused it, but then not, my big thing is don't stop. Don't lay down your arms and just go, 
I use people. Yeah. Just go. Yeah, dude. no, I realize like I realized I use people when it's like now just like stop. Ch- let's change that mindset. Change Cuz I didn't realize I was doing it. And do I, yeah, obviously I'm not I'm not trying to yeah. take you to task on that or no, anything. No, no, no. I'm just saying but whatever it is, your model of love, you're like, "Well, I have love. Well, I need this kind of love. I want to feel that keys on the table love." Okay, yeah. good. Even having a vision board whether or not we believe in the metaphysical power of it, yeah. the psychological power of it, knowing what you're aiming for mm-hmm. is so Helpful. huge. Yeah, man. And not, how old are you now? 34. So 34. Dude, a lot of people stop yeah. 21. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, it seems. Yeah. They just go, that's just Ralph being Ralph. Yeah. Never stop. Look at your behavior. Ask what you want. Change it. Functions yeah, is like that too. I, yeah. I just keep thinking about them because yeah. you remind me of them a little bit. Is that feeling of like, Ron Funches was like so I remember when Ron like decided pretty late in life to get in shape and that's just like that's not the thing mm-hmm. that was like an interchange that sort of manifested in his outer body that's admirable anybody that's like okay I have this inner thing or this outer thing it doesn't matter and I'm gonna change yeah. it's not too late fucking love it what hey, time man. is it 2.53 perfect okay I'm doing a uh, I'm doing something. Oh, right on. I'm going to do it. <laughs> the guy that wants to tell someone he's doing Conan. I'm doing Conan. Nice. I just caught myself. Who cares? No, that's cool, Part man. Part of life. It's cool to be like, it's like I wrap up this podcast, I'm doing Conan. Yeah. It's, it's, it's it, like, you know and how if hard you to- I work yo, to get if there? you told 25-year-old That's what I'm saying. Day, you'd be like, what? Yes. That's what I'm saying. See, mm-hmm. I knew you would love that. Yeah. I mean, you would love me for being slightly yeah. petty in that moment. But man, because you know, because you did it. Yeah. And we're both still doing it. You never get out. No. Totally. We worked so hard to get to that place. Mm-hmm. I remember I went and saw one of my buddies do tape the Tonight Show. And they were already famous, infamous mm. by that point. Right. And went and watched it. And I ran into them earlier in the week as they were going and like working on the set. And I remember seeing him like, oh, man, I hate how rushed late night sets always feel, you know. Mm. And he went fucking smashed that shit. Hmm. And then, like, we met up afterwards, but he said, like, he left and was just walking to his hotel and, like, just started crying hmm. because it's, like, the weight of, like, this is what the fuck I wanted to do since I was a kid. Wow. You know, fucking Tonight Show, son? What? That's great. And he's like, thank God I was in New York because no one looks twice at anyone crying in I a know. gutter. That's true. Uh, That's true. And, and then he just got himself together and came because it's like. It was as, a good cry, though. Yeah. As big as it is, it's also nothing. Yeah. <laughs> anymore, you know. Oh, but can't it be both? It can be both. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm very proud that I did a half hour, but I don't know how to tell people how to watch it. Uh, <laughs> well, we're going to watch it now. Nice. I'm not wrapping it up. I'm just saying check it out. Yeah. But it's like, I think that's one of the things in life. You, I don't want to be chasing it the way I was chasing it when I was 25. Because mm-hmm. your I'm stakes 45. are different. Because you're, you're, you should be at a point where, like, at 25, you were at the $10 table just trying to that's right. Get get a win. That's right. Now you're a high roller. Right. <laughs> you ain't supposed to be at the ten dollar table. True, but I also want to just wake up to the idea that it's all just a bunch of chips on felt. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And there's a beautiful way to sort of evolve and mature because when he's walking home and he starts crying, the two feelings: one, my dream came true; two, it was just me in a room with people. Yeah, it's just me in a room. There's air conditioning mm-hmm. and lights. And it happened, and it was nothing. So let, let's learn from both of those things. Let's yeah. like celebrate the good things, and celebrate the emptiness. Yeah. Don't don't resist the emptiness. Yeah. Embrace the emptiness, and go. It's empty, and it's vital. Yeah. It's both. Yeah, I love that. 
Yeah, well, I do have to go do. Did I mention Conan? Oh, I'm gonna do Conan. Yeah, nice. yeah, that's dope, man. It's no big deal. It's, yeah, no, man, it's not a big deal. So it's gonna be fine. I guess I don't even know what I'm gonna do. That guy, yeah. I don't uh, even have a say. I'm just gonna whatever. Just wing it's it. Just talk. <laughs> no, it's fine. Um, why don't we? Uh, do you think when you die, it's over? I think when we die, whatever we needed to happen in real like if you are if you're religious and you're Christian or whatever belief and you need that and you die, whatever you needed, it, your energy goes towards that. I love that. Right? You know, that's a very, that's a, uh, I don't know if it's Buddhist, but I know Deepak Chopra said something very similar to me, where he's like, you get what you expect. Yeah. Because it's like, because <laughs> as much as, as much as like, it, you know, I I do believe in a higher power and I do believe it caters to whatever, but if, if we don't believe in it, it doesn't exist. Our belief in it makes it real. Like Santa yes. Claus. Yeah, yeah, Not yeah. in the dismissive way. Yeah. Santa Claus is as real as our belief. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. So is Pete. Mm-hmm. And so Pete's is Pete's very tangible. Yeah, because we believe in him. Yeah. But guess what? What if I turned into Coates? Whoa, son. I've always thought you were Coates. <laughs> <laughs> what are you going to plug? Um, half uh, hour? Uh, I did my half hour. Just go to uh, patreon.com slash... Oh, you got a Patreon? Blazer Ramon. Come on. Uh, we, I want to support Blazer it's Ramon. Very, it's very... like Honestly, I just want the dollar donation tier it's like you pay a dollar a month and you get tickets whenever i come to your city really and then everything above that is just like dumb shit like me painting shit for you or doing weird shit um but awesome uh, hopefully this year i'll put out an album later on i've been working on my hour to try to get that through and um then blazer ramon on instagram and twitter and Laser uh, website remote. and Venmo, all that shit. I love it. Yeah, man. Yeah, just Venmo. Something. Venmo, just Venmo, how, how are your boy, man? Who cares? Help me pay this bills, man. Yeah. Um. Other than that, just, I just want to plug like you know, loving each other. Like I had a a friend, uh, Ken Barnett, passed last week. Yeah. And he's you know, again, I wasn't like super intimate with him, but like he was kind in a, in a connective way like to say like if you died i would be just as bummed out even though like we not super close right, right. you know mm-hmm. and he just just seeing the impact he had on people's lives and how he was always reflecting encouragement back to people mm. i did you know it's a reminder to appreciate the journey and what's happening around you because mm-hmm. like, i felt very serendipitous <laughs> to last week be in new york when it happened and be able to grieve with the people that are the same people I met when I met him mm-hmm. and sharing that and get to a point where I'm in a good space for it. Mm. Um, but it's, it's also like <laughs> I uh, like I'd been, I was, I'm getting ready to like leave LA and move back to Cleveland just to be closer to my family, be happier. Like I'm sad here a lot, whatever. <laughs> And also just running out of money. Like, it's hard to feel happy when you're just like. <gasps> That's like fair, man. Yeah. It was like, I'm going to leave L.A. because it makes me very sad. Very sad. And so it's like, <laughs> I'm going to go closer to happy. Like, it makes me less valid to closer other people. Closer to happy. Good book Less title. valid to other people, more, more valid to myself. Yeah. Right? And so I was in New York. Fucking A, dude. In New York. Uh, I got passed at the cellar, which was cool. And then, like, I got asked to do uh, the Impractical Jokers Cruise. Oh, wow. Which is, like, a really cool thing. And I'm, and I ran like I ran into Sal, and he he texted and asked me, and I'm like, oh cool, and I'm excited, and then they sent me the stuff to like do all the, you know, fill out the forms for the information they need, whatever. And I'm scrolling down, and they have all the artist like, you know, announcement lineup, this that and the other, and I'm looking at it and seeing the names, 
and then it says and more to be announced and i'm like okay and i keep scrolling then it has all the individual you know when you do a festival it has like your picture and the mm-hmm. shit around it so i'm scrolling to that and it's all the names that are on the list except for one person who wasn't on the list and it was kevin barnett and like he gave me his spot oh wow. the, you know what i'm saying like that's how i feel wow and then i look like when they finalize it there's just me and one other person they added and so it's just so because I've been trying to figure. I'm like, why the fuck would Sal ask me of all people? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? To like again, we run into each other, see me as a coke machine, <laughs> show vibes. But it's like that's the, again, everything's connected. Mm-hmm. And like, I'd rather have my friend here, but he threw me an alley oop to like, okay, now you don't have to leave L.A. if you don't want to mm-hmm. for at least a little bit. Wow. Wow. So it's just like that type of shit is like I I don't know uh, that that's the type of thing that makes you believe in right the afterlife and, right and all that sort of shit yeah no I hear that that's beautiful man, yeah, man. I like that yeah yeah no Kevin's episode came out we re released it today yeah. Bird Luger forever Bird Luger dude. yeah man he's just fucking he was like you man. know he, you remind me of him in that in that way that he was just. I wanted. I wouldn't tweet this because I wouldn't want people to miss. But when, you can hear my voice. He was cool. Man, yeah. I don't just mean he was a cool guy. Yeah. I mean he was like he had a calmness, man, and a certainty and like a still core that he I was, was just like, what is your deal? Stabilizing presence in unfamiliar yes. environments. Is and he wasn't was. really. He didn't seem impressed in the same way that I like. You want to talk about like your small frame? I have this big frame where I'm like, oh wow, this is a big deal. He was just cool yeah. in that way yeah it's like nope yeah. i'm kevin mm-hmm. i'm here i know all this stuff is happening up and down mm-hmm. up and down he just seemed stable it, yeah. was, it was really impressive and, and helped up and helped down yeah this is the other thing so that's something that i'm trying to carry forward like being aware of my position social position in cleveland like oh i'm an upperclassman let me set the tone for yeah. how these younger cats can approach the game and be respectful and care about each yeah. other yeah, and yeah, not, yeah. you know all this shit that's great. Um, and, you know, just try to honor that. It's beautiful. Yeah. And then always go on stage ready to bomb. That was <laughs> that was Kevin's main thing. Really? Yeah. He just like, he just like fuck it. I'll just start bombing. Wow. And just. See? Just not give it. But Dude, that's ju- what I'm saying. But be just as fun. Like, just be way funny. That's <laughs> and he's so like, yeah, funny. Yeah. That's uh, what I'm saying. He would bet. He would bet. He would bet. Like, at the knitting factory where Hannibal ran it, we would be betting who was going to bomb. Mm. <laughs> On the list, yeah, yeah, that was great. Yeah. Oh man, so I was right. He did my podcast. That was the longest we hung out. But that feeling of like, I don't care. I'll just bomb. Yeah. And I was just like, where do you get this like old soul perspective, man? Where I seem so like my first first time in the candy store, and he's just like, yeah, there's this candy, there's this candy. Just relax. Yeah, man. (laughs) Dude's a great dude. He sure was. Uh, Well, Ramon, thank you for doing it. You're great. Thanks for having me, Pete. Patreon.com slash Blazer Ramon. Boop, boop. What do you say? Keep it crispy. Crunch. No, no, crispy. Crispy. I was doing what, like, <laughs> when you, when you no, bite no. into something crispy, <laughs> there's a crunch. I didn't think you were correcting me. But then as I didn't say crispy, I was like, what if he doesn't know the catchphrase? <laughs> and then that would have been awkward for you, so I blew it. Yeah, it's okay. Let's keep it crispy. I know that. Crunch. Crunchy. No, you do it. Yeah, Crunch. <laughs> now do it clean keep it crispy because it's that voice man yeah blazer thanks man appreciate you